cool. This seems fun. I can't wait to do more of this. As if it wasn't enough to do a post game over on 105.7 The Fan yesterday. <laughs> this seems like a fun way to spend two hours on a Monday morning. Hey, at least the weather stinks. They got that going for us. At least there's that. <sighs> Hi. Happy Monday morning. It ha Happy. Happy Monday morning. Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. He's television's own Griffin Bass. He's Masson's star <laughs> Griffin so. Bass. My phone was blowing up. Well, I understand why. That. I looked up. I said, that's Griffin. Look at him standing there like an idiot. Uh, uh, one of your boys, one of your boys pointed out to me, tiny hands. We got, I don't so, know, what, I don't know what that's all about. So I tiny watched, hands. So I watched it back, and because yeah. me and my brother were like, "Why do my hands look like that?" And then we realized there was a person in front of us who had their uh, hands. Their hands were straight up like sure, this. So it sure? looked like it was mine because my hands were in my pockets. I don't so know. It looked like they were mine. I think <laughs> I think you might just have tiny hands, pal. I think it might be a Donald Trump situation we got going on. No, here. no, no. <sighs> um, Not that. Um, uh, Griffin was up in New York this weekend, yes. so um, you know, I he got he got to witness no he got, yeah, to, he got to, nothing no his no history. Got to see the Orioles, Orioles. Uh, pitch Aaron Judge really well. Yeah, well, I mean, if you ask the people in New York, they don't, <laughs> they don't agree. <laughs> They're mad about it. Uh, and obviously, I mean, there's there's not going to be. I don't know that we'll have time to talk about it because <laughs> something else happened. Something else happened, and uh, we have to deal with that. Hey, coming up in a bit, we're going to catch up with um, Evan Washburn. He was on the scene. What time is everything today? He's at ten twenty. Uh, yes. 10.30. 10.30. Then Brandon Noble's at 11, and Dan Wilcox is at 11.30. Correct. All right, so Evan Washburn, of course, was there for CBS. Brandon Noble was working the national radio broadcast of the uh, Ravens game yesterday, and Dan Wilcox is just our friend and the, the host of the Believe in Ravens podcast with Bo Smolka. So we will get all of them to share their opinions. Um, we will get to Slaps of the Helmet as well this morning to start putting your list together. Of course, as always, five Ravens, two must-be offensive players, two must-be defensive players. The fifth can be anyone you like, including a coach. And i got a funny feeling that a few people are going to choose a coach. And that, to me, as today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, which is the best place to watch and bet on all of the games. And it's also the place where you can go and put a $25 Super Bowl futures bet down and then register that bet to win a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. FanDuel.com slash SBNAZ to find out more. The frustrating part for me is that we are obsessed, of course, with what happened at the end of the game yesterday. Whereas the reality of where the Ravens are after four games is far bigger than one decision that was made. Throw me a pen, by the way, if you, get, uh, if you would, please, Griffin. The, the reality of where the Ravens find themselves has so much more to do with the totality of yesterday's game than it does with one fourth down decision that was made in yesterday's game. Um, let's get it out of the way at the top. If you listen to post game on 105.7 The Fan, you know how I feel, and I'm writing about it today. I'll go ahead and, and do the bit. I'll give away my column once again. My column today at PressBoxOnline.com will explain why directly there's no ambiguity about this. There's no, and I get it. Most people are yelling about John Harbaugh going for it, but most people are really mad that the Ravens failed. They don't really know why they're mad about the decision. They just know they're mad that the Ravens failed, so they know they have to be mad about it. There's not a lot of intelligent conversation that has been 
disseminated. Some people have tried to, you know, suggest esoteric reasons why they disagreed with the decision. Like I got that from people yesterday. Well, it's about the message that you're sending to your team, or it's about, you know, it's, it's all nonsense. The analytics didn't say for the Ravens to go for it on fourth down. Next gen stats um, shared it out. The analytics were negligible. They they said suggested it was a 1.7 percent greater chance of victory by going for it on fourth down. What that means is it's a wash. In these you know bizarro scenarios, there's no actual difference when you're talking about 1.7 percent. If we were running algorithms, if we were running scenarios like hey. Um, Griffin, how, how many more listeners might we have if we do this one thing or do this other thing? And we run a bunch of numbers and they say, well, there's a 1.7% there's a chance of it being uh, better if we do it this way. But we would call that as a wash. We would say it's the same. It's essentially the same. The analytics did not in any way demand that the Ravens go for it on fourth and goal. And so to hide behind analytics is somewhat cowardly and i i i've i've really kind of i don't want to call john harbaugh a coward because i don't think he's a coward but to just try to say hey the analytics said to go for it there are times where it is that simple there are a lot of people who still don't understand the thought process behind you're down by 14 you score a touchdown and you go for two a lot of people still disagree with that they don't get it Gary Stein and I got into a vicious fight a year ago about when you go for Remember, the Ravens were down by 15 in a game last year and decided to go for two on the first touchdown instead of on the second touchdown. And everybody in town's like, no, you, you kick the extra points so you keep it a one-possession game. Well, that only matters, of course, if you convert the two-point conversion the second time. Was this the Packers game? What game was it where this occurred? I can't remember which game it was. It was a game last year where this played out. And everybody's like, oh, you can't. Why would you go for it on two the first time? You need to make sure you keep it a one-possession game. And I kept saying that it's only a one-possession game if you convert the two-point conversion, and you're not more likely to convert the two-point conversion at the end of the game than you are earlier in the game. But what you can do earlier in the game is figure out if you're going to get the two or not, because if you don't get the two, you need to come up with another path to victory. You might have to kick an onside kick, something like that, in order to try to win a game. That's analytics. That is an analytical decision. Plain and simple, you are better off knowing earlier in the game what it is that you have to do in order to win than you are to hide behind the idea of, you know, let's just keep it a one-possession game, get to the final play of the game, fail on a two-point conversion the way the Buccaneers did against the Packers last week, and then the game is just over. Analytically, you are better off knowing ahead of time whether or not you got the two-point conversion and what decisions you need to make because of it. That's pure analytics. This wasn't analytics. The analytics said shrug emoji. The analytics said you can do whatever you want here. There's really no difference. You go for it. You know, it's a fourth and goal from the two. You should be able to convert that. So if you do, you're going to score a touchdown, and that's going to be helpful. But if you don't convert it, you know, it's a tie game, and they got a chance to go down and score. Ultimately, <clears throat> there's two things that happen. One, I would have preferred if John Harbaugh could just be honest. It's not about analytics. 
It's about the way you feel about your defense. Now, that's a little weird, too. It's a little weird that the Ravens lost all faith in their defense yesterday, considering the number of times the Ravens either got turnovers or three and outs during the course of that game. The Ravens didn't get bludgeoned yesterday. I don't know what what world we're pretending like the Ravens got bludgeoned yesterday. In fact, literally, the last time they had been on the field beforehand, they forced a very quick punt. I don't know how we've created a scenario where the Ravens got bludgeoned defensively yesterday. They did not. They got bludgeoned on that last drive. But for the totality of the game, they held their own against a very good offense. Conditions might have played a factor in that. So I'm confused as to why we're coming to the idea that you, well, you, you couldn't put the defense back out there. John Harbaugh's best argument that he made was the four-down factor. And that's relevant. It's really tough to stop a team once they know they've got four tries to get 10 yards. It becomes very difficult to do. It's a good argument. It's not enough of a compelling argument that they should have gone for it, but it's a good argument, which is we're talking about the Bills' offense and them knowing that they've got four downs in order to try to convert. Of course, if they're down by three, once they get into field goal range, they're going to stop going forward on fourth down because they merely need to tie the game. It would be reckless for them trailing by three points, even if they had used fourth down in order to get into field goal range, to still go for it on, say, fourth and six if they got all the way down to the Ravens' 22-yard line versus just kicking a field goal. There's something to be said for the way that John Harbaugh explained it, but it's not fully... It's not justifiable. In the end... The, the picture, the reason why the decision was problematic and the reason why, not the singular reason why, but part of the reason why a lot of this result falls on the coaches is because in that moment, you have to calculate the risk. When the Ravens decided to go for it on fourth and one from their own 34-yard line, that was a bonkers risk, right? That's crazy. If they don't convert that, they're giving the Bills the ball in a tie game already in scoring position. That's nuts. But there's still an entire quarter to play. And so in calculating the risk, they're saying, hey, look, even if this fails, we got a lot of time. There's an eternity to try to fix this. We think we'll get it. Because all they had to do is not even fourth and one. It was fourth and an inch, right? I mean, all they needed to do was line up, have Lamar Jackson fall down, and they're going to convert. We think we'll get it. But if we don't, there's so much time left. All the time in the world for us to try to convert this thing. So, or not convert this thing, to, to fix this. You calculate the risk that way. And I understand the decision that was made. I do. I understand right then. It doesn't forgive them for trying to challenge a spot. How long have we been doing this? Spot challenges don't get overturned. It It has to be so overwhelming. And I get it. I think there's a chance that maybe 
Lamar Jackson did stretch out before he went out of bounds. But there was nothing in that replay at all that you saw that said definitively this will overcome the difficulty of getting a spot challenge overturned, which never happens in the NFL, ever. You never overturn spot challenges. You're just mad because you think he got it, and you're pissing away a timeout in the process. And I think he might have too, by the way. I really do. But you're never, ever, ever getting spot challenges overturned. And we know that. It's the first thing that I think all of us said in that moment. Uh, Spot challenges don't get reversed. They never get reversed. So that was reckless. But the decision to go forward on fourth down was understandable because of how much time was left in the game. Going forward on fourth and goal, there were four minutes left in the game. And if you failed, you presented the opportunity for the Bills to do exactly what they did which is not just to score, but to score and kill the clock in the process. And that's why it's inexcusable. You cannot give your opponent the opportunity to kill the clock. This is the NFL in 2022, man. This is how defense works. You're playing the clock as much as you're playing anything else. You see the AFC Divisional round a year ago? Hell, the Saints got the ball back. The Saints don't even have an offense. They don't have a quarterback. They didn't have a quarterback, running back, or wide receiver yesterday. And they still managed to get another game-tying field goal look when they got the ball back with 13 seconds left. This is the NFL. The clock is the thing. In that moment, you presented the opportunity for the Bills to go put a drive together and start working the clock. You know what a team can't do if they're down by three points? Work the clock. You know why? Because they can't assume a touchdown. They have to try to push for a touchdown. Because even if you're on the one-yard line, you can't assume that you can just punch it in whenever you want to. Imagine the Bills trying to bleed the clock, right, and get down to the one-yard line. And be like, well, we'll just call a timeout with four seconds left and then we'll run a play. And then they get stuffed or they fumble the snap on the play and then they lose the game because they were trying to play the clock? You can't do that. That's not how football works. Yes, the argument from some that the Bills were going to score a touchdown because you think the Ravens were getting bludgeoned anyway. I don't know where it came from. It was aided by a BS um, roughing the passer call. But even if you feel that way, they couldn't kill the rest of the clock in the process. Unless it just sort of happened organically, like strangely. They couldn't attempt to kill the clock. If they score a touchdown, they score a touchdown. But they score a touchdown with a minute left. And you get the last chance to go down and make the final statement in the game. Or you get the stop that you allegedly think you could have gotten. And you have the lead, and you win the football game. The clock is the reason. It's inexcusable, the decision that the Ravens made. It cannot be hidden behind analytics. There is not an analytical argument for it. If you haven't seen the next-gen stats thing, just, Griffin, find it and tweet it. I mean, it, it, 
My buddy, I'm pretty sure my buddy Chris Pika tweeted out last night. It's 1.7%. You can just tweet and say this is what Glenn's referring to. 1.7% is the difference. There is no analytical argument. That is a wash. That is negligible. That is not how leaders make decisions. I mean, unless we're talking about the difference between 1.7% and zero. Like, if in one scenario you've got a 0% chance, and in another you've got a 1.7% chance, then you say, well, we'll take the one with the 1.7% chance. But otherwise, when you're looking about at, at statistically at a difference of 1.7%, it's a wash. You have to make the decision. You can't hide behind analytics. There's no analytical argument for what the Ravens did. Their coaching let them down. And they might have lost the game anyway. And it wasn't just that. You throw in the fact that, yes, that it was an inexcusable challenge. You know spot challenges don't get overturned in the NFL. You know that. You're mad. And that's the part that you... I worry about, and I've worried about for a long time with the Ravens, is it feels like a lot of times their decisions are based in emotion or are based in frustration. That, for example, the decision to go for it on fourth down maybe had more to do with how frustrated they were about the entirety of the second half and how badly they wanted to get a touchdown than it had to do with anything else. Because, again, there's no analytical argument for it. I worry that that's the way the Ravens make their decisions sometimes. And that they have for years. I worry that the decision to throw the challenge flag on a spot foul is just because they were pissed off about the fact that he was spotted short. They were angry about it. They were emotional about it. Because there was nothing that we saw that said that this would overcome how difficult it is to get a spot challenge overturned. We saw nothing in that replay. And they'd apparently already decided to go for it anyway. Now, someone might argue that that decision was made because, hell, they were going to take a timeout anyway to talk about what they were going to do on fourth down. So, hell, if we're going to take a timeout, we might as well throw the challenge flag. Like, that's the, the best argument that you can make in that moment. But timeouts are too important. Particularly in the second half. I mean, any, even in the first half, they should be more important than the way the Ravens pissed them away. A delay of game on a field goal yesterday. This stuff can't happen. Look, if you're here today trying to fire John Harbaugh, you're, I'm sorry, you're unserious. It's not even worth my... I, I don't even like the idea of bringing it up. It's not worth it. You're just being nonsensical for the sake of being nonsensical. I mean, hug somebody today. Touch grass, as my friend Rita likes to say. Like, get yourself back into the world of reality. There ain't a thing wrong with criticizing John Harbaugh for yesterday's game. He had a wretched day. Is he alone the reason why the Ravens lost the football game? No, not at all. The Ravens have bigger problems. A lot of players were conspired to help the Ravens lose the football game yesterday. Even Lamar Jackson wasn't great yesterday. Certainly not the standard of what we had seen for the first three weeks. But even by an, a, a normal standard, he was, you know, okay yesterday. Nothing was, in a weird way, it was kind of silly that the Ravens were in position to try to win the football game yesterday because I, we might have struggled doing pats on the ass. Like, 
I, I, I guess the guys that were responsible for the turnovers in the first half and I don't know, maybe Justice Hill. Like, I, I don't know what we would have done for pats on the ass because it, it wasn't a particularly well-played game either. There were a lot of things that conspired, but the Ravens, frankly, aren't good enough to overcome the coaching failures. They're not. Not yet. Maybe if they get fully healthy, they might be at some point. I don't know. But at the moment, they're not good enough to be able to overcome coaching on top of everything else conspiring against them. Again, separating from all of you that want to jump off a ledge, and I get it. It sucks for the Ravens to have lost two games in as many tries where they had three possession advantages at home. I mean, that's it's insane to throw that out there. And it's it it does make us start saying and thinking dumb things. Wanting to fire somebody. That's what that's what happens. But again, my obligation, my responsibility is to come back to reality. Stop it. Get a hold of yourself. That's not how this works. If you don't like John Harbaugh, like Ken Zalis, you don't like John Harbaugh. That's 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 your cross to bear, man. I, I don't know what to tell you. But the idea that John Harbaugh is going to get fired, stop it. Settle down. If they lose the rest of their games, we'll talk about it. They're 2-2. Two and two. And they were right in it with the best team arguably in the AFC yesterday. Stop. It's There's nothing wrong with saying John Harbaugh conspired to help them lose that football game yesterday. He did. He failed. Plain and simple. John Harbaugh failed yesterday. Not, this isn't an opinion. This isn't a, I don't like John Harbaugh. I happen to be someone who thinks John Harbaugh is a hell of a football coach. I mean, I, I, I think that because I, you know, I see his record. Like, it's not really an opinion-based thing. It's more like a, the dude wins a lot. But yesterday, he stunk. Yesterday was bad. And it was bad all over. But it wasn't just bad from John Harbaugh. It was bad from basically everyone. I mean, other than Justin Tucker. It was bad all over. It's bad roster construction. It's bad on the injury front. It's bad the play on the field. And it's bad the coaching. All of it. And yet they still only lost by three points to the Buffalo Bills. NFL is a crazy league, man. It's a crazy league. I don't know what the Ravens are four weeks into the season. I'm struggling with that. I really am. I'm truly struggling with, is this a team that if they get their pieces back is a legitimate Super Bowl contender? Or is there no way of getting around if you're a team, no matter what's going on, that blows 21 and 17-point leads at home in back-to-back games, you're just not a good football team. There's no way that a good football team can do that. They're both fair arguments. I don't know which one is the answer. We, we can't possibly, right? I'm very nervous about Rashad Bateman and wish somebody would start giving me some information about Rashad Bateman. I can't believe John Harbaugh was just utterly dismissive. I, I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and look at it. Are you saying there's a world in which John, Rashad Bateman could have been on the field and wasn't? Like, what in the hell is going on there? Then there's this weird video of, like, somebody saying he was in a walking boot afterwards, but, like, it's not a viable source, so, like, you don't, you can't accuse them of making it up or doctoring something because 
you know, why would somebody do that? But at the same time, this is the internet and somebody would do that. I'm very nervous about that. I'm a little on edge. I don't know what to make of the Rashad Bateman thing. It's very weird. But there is a possibility the Ravens get their pieces back and they are a better football team and they are the type of team that can finish off games in which they get 21 or 17 point leads. It sucks because we want our answers. We always want our dessert without having to eat our dinner. We are children. I don't want to have to keep waiting to find out what the Ravens are. I want to know now, are they a team that can win a Super Bowl or not? But we're going to have to wait. We're not going to get the answer today, and that's the frustrating part. And so we're going to overreact to the most recent thing that we saw, and we're going to scream and piss and moan and bitch and yell and try to fire people and act like it's the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of the franchise. I get it. It sucks. And if you've gone to these two games, it sucks even more. Like, I, my God. Like, good, the Ravens are back. And these are the first two games you get to go to all season? Jesus, yikes. Um, but I'm not, you, you can't. You can't get me to say that definitively this is who the Ravens are. But we'll talk to a bunch of people that are, I think, all more intelligent than I am during the course of the morning. And we'll see how they feel about it as we discuss it with them. Today's show is also brought to you by, oh, this one's brought to you by Glory Days Grill, where the Oktoberfest menu is available. It's delicious, the chicken schnetzel. Did I say schnetzel? Is that what I just said? It sounded like it coming out. The chicken schnitzel, of course. I don't know what that was. The Bavarian burger on the pretzel bun. You got the point across. Brewer sausage platter, brewer sausage sandwich, the slam dunk pretzels, the cheddar ale soup, all delicious. Glorydaysgrill.com is the website for you to get your order in. Evan Washburn worked the game for CBS yesterday. We'll get his thoughts on a debacle for the Baltimore Ravens. It's next. Glenn Clark Radio. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today stan the fan here welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors the costas inn and everybody around baltimore knows the costas inn is a great place to go and grab crabs steaks salads soups whatever's on your mind to eat in person but did you know that the costas inn has upped their game they are now one of the premier takeout places in baltimore give them a call now to order your food 410-477-1975 that's the costas inn over 4100 north point Boulevard. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. 
See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th or 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th. Learn more and buy tickets at Maryland5star.us. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom, from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. And we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of demos, ravens, and terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit Join Baltimore countypd.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. If you can't listen or watch live, you can subscribe to the show via Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review while you're there. Or, if lying isn't your thing, we'll take a three-and-a-half-star review, too. I'm so confused. I... Uh, uh, first of all, uh, quickly. Unfortunately, Evan Washburn's got to move to later in the week. He had something come up, and and we know what it is, and we understand. So we will a- absolutely. Uh, uh, we get it. He's not trying to bail on us. He just asked if we could move, and we will be happy to let that move. Uh, Brandon Noble will join us at eleven o'clock, and that'll allow us some time to get into um, slaps of the helmet and uh, do our picks recap here in hour number one. Uh, the Ravens have come out and cleared up this thing. There was this other weird thing that occurred yesterday where Adam Newman, who is a higher up with the Big Ten Network, sent out a random tweet about the Ravens holding a press conference at 3.30 today, and it was an odd source for that to come from, and so I was like, well, maybe it's something about, like, I don't, I don't know what that would be. Then it got, you know, a bunch of people, including uh, our own Cordell Woodland uh, from 105.7 The Fan, said, John Harbaugh is scheduled to address the media at 2.30. I'm told that the Ravens will make an announcement after that. The announcement will not involve any coach personnel changes. This is an announcement. They're going to hold another press conference, just like was originally stated. But now we know what it is. Jimmy Smith's formally retiring. Which is, you know, a nothing, because we knew Jimmy Smith was retired, but they've done this before, where when a player, you know, makes it official, they let him come in and celebrate them and and have a nice day at the castle and all the whole thing and that's that's neat i've got i just don't know why the ravens felt the need to be secretive about it i mean i i have no clue i get that they want to be the ones that make the announcement but like once it's out there you're you're only making it more awkward by not just saying just say yes there's going to be a second press conference tomorrow and you can still the same say the same thing it's not about a coach or personnel change but there will be a second press conference tomorrow 
That's easy. That's not hard. Like, sometimes we get so... Like, the world of PR has gotten to a point where you're so afraid of everything that it has to be perfectly calculated. And if anything throws that off, that's all you got to say. Hey, there are going to be two press conferences tomorrow. John Harbaugh's press conference, and we're going to have another press conference afterwards. And the one afterwards is not about a personnel change or a coaching change, and we'll let you know tomorrow what it is. I don't understand the reason why you said, well, we're going to make an announcement after that. You made the announcement this morning. Jimmy Smith's retired. They just tweeted it. You were holding another press conference. The guy was right. Why are you trying to fight about it? It's such a weird bit sometimes that we do. In the end, you know, no harm, no foul. Except for the part where you allowed people to kind of get carried away. You were like, maybe they're fine. Stop, for God's sakes. No one was ever getting fired. Do you understand how dumb you are when you start saying things like that? Like, I, I tweeted about this. It makes me realize just how unserious people are. Like, you just live in this bizarro world where you think that a 2-2 two and two team made a decision five minutes after a game to fire someone. I mean, get the entire F out of here with that. Stop. Settle down. Um, Jimmy Smith retires. Which, again, we knew. It's nothing... Like, it's news and that they're going to hold a press conference for him, but it's not news. Jimmy Smith isn't playing football, and maybe Jimmy Smith was hoping that somebody was still going to call him, and, you know, that phone call didn't come, so, you know, he decided at this point he doesn't feel like continuing to train and, and stay ready, so he's good. I, I, I guess the interesting part would be, like, how retired are you? Remember, Eric Weddle was retired right up until he got a very specific phone call, and that one worked out quite well for him. Like, are you retired, retired, or are you retired? I, I said this to Adam Jones when we talked to him earlier in the year. Like, are you definitely retired? Or, like, if Buck were to call in August and say, bro, I need some help getting this thing across the finish line, I could use one more vet. Would you? And he was like, yeah, I'd, I'd probably do it for Buck. I was like, okay, so you're that type of retired. Like, you're you're pretty retired. But, you know, that. and I, I maybe would guess that might be the same thing for Jimmy. Like, he's pretty sure he's retired. But, man, if he got the right phone call at the end of the year, the Eric Weddle situation popped up, maybe he wouldn't be as retired at that point. But they'll have a nice press conference for Jimmy today, and, you know, that'll be neat. But I, I, I don't. there's nothing else to say about it. That's all. Like, it was just weird the way that they unfold, this unfolded yesterday. It was so, such a weird bit, man. I don't understand things sometimes. Today's show. Also brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. Later this afternoon on Facebook Live, Stan, Ross Grimsley, and Luke are going to kind of do a... I want to say it's about the demise of the Orioles because the Orioles are still going to finish with a winning record, obviously, after they uh, clinched a win, uh, like clinched that with their win yesterday. But they're going to kind of put the finishing touches on the Orioles season because we do know that they're not going to make the playoffs. That did um, officially get clinched over the weekend. So they'll put the finishing touches on that in a roundtable discussion today. Stan the Fan, Ross Grimsley, and Press Box's Luke Jackson coming up a little bit later on today. Facebook.com slash Press Box Sports. Um, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's get in for uh, – let's, let's do a picks recap, and then we'll do slaps to the helmet. Be sending me your slaps to the helmet at Glenn Clark Radio. I've already gotten a bunch. We will continue to share them out. Uh, at Glenn Clark Radio, you know the rules. Five Ravens, two must be offensive, two must be defensive, and the fifth can be whoever you want. Another offensive player, another defensive player, a special teams player, or a coach. Or a coach. Rank them five to one. 
um, with number one being your sort of anti-man of the match. Send them to me at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. We'll continue to share them throughout the day. <sighs> Start with Picks Recap, however. Picks Recap is brought to you by the Tyus Bowser Show, and we will be back. We will be at Guilford Hall Brewery tomorrow night for the Tyus Bowser Show, October 4th. We will be hanging out in Station North, 1611 Guilford Avenue. Looking forward to it. I know everybody's frustrated, but hopefully this is maybe this is the week we get Tyus back on the field and things that starts to change things. He is available to return or eligible to return starting this week. Don't know, can't say. And you know, Tyus is smart enough to know that the Ravens don't want him to give it away. So we'll we'll bring it up tomorrow. But I guarantee the answer we'll get is yeah, we'll have to see. Like I I just know. And I okay, I'm okay with it. I understand. I'm not trying to get the man in trouble. Um, but we're gonna be hanging out at Guilford Hall Brewery. Tyus and a special guest. Hopefully that'll be confirmed today, and we'll be able to share that with you. All you gotta do, come out seven o'clock, hang out with us, enjoy the delicious food at Guilford Hall Brewery, the incredible craft beer selection at Guilford Hall Brewery, and just shoot the breeze with um, you know, your favorite uh, Baltimore football players. The Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership of Pressbox and Great Eights Memorabilia. It's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. If you want to find out more, go to PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. But what you need to know, tomorrow night, Tyus, special guest, Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. Come hang out with us, 1611 Guilford Avenue. All right, picks recap. It's a shame you didn't put a side bet on yeah. this week, Really, Griffin. It really oh, nice is. Nice little week. Um, so uh, seven of us that are competing, a little bit of cash at the top, trying to avoid being the worm at the bottom. That's the guy that's got to eat a worm burger, get a stink face, try to perform the worm, and dress up like the worm Dennis Rodman in a wedding dress while you do all of it. Uh, only two of us had winning records this week. I was one of them, and Griffin was the other. Griffin had the best week he's had all year long. Oh, yeah. Real shame nothing was at stake. About to start rolling. Real shame there was no side bet on this week. Uh, we started with Maryland, Michigan State. Thank God I listened to Vegas this time. Michigan State stinks. Now, somebody might say they stink so much that Maryland should have won by a more comfortable margin than 27 to 13. But let, let's ease up on all that. <laughs> let's remember what it is that we're talking about, okay? Okay? Maryland uh, uh, played quite well. They are setting up. We've been talking about this stretch. They've got this four-game stretch where they could really do some damage and potentially – like, make some of these late-season games a bit more interesting. Kansas is getting college game day this week. Kansas That's gonna be is getting college game day this week. Exciting. I believe I saw that leaves only four schools that have never hosted college game day. Is that... Can four you, schools that... Oh, four power conferences. Oh, four power conferences. Okay. Can you double-check on that for sure. me? I believe it was five, and Kansas was one of them. And so, you now you know, strike them off the list and how many are left at this point. Maybe maybe it was six and it's down to five now because of Kansas. Double check on that. But I, you know, what 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 if Maryland were to roll through this stretch, Purdue, Indiana, Northwestern, and Wisconsin? Who would get it? Like it's still Wisconsin that we're talking about, but they're in shambles. They just fired Paul Christ. And then what if they were to somehow go and win at Penn State? And I get that feels like crazy. Mm. You think there'd be a chance that that Ohio State game the weekend before Thanksgiving? Ooh. Ooh. Look, I, I'm not – do I think it's likely? Not at all. I don't think it's likely. I think they're going to trip up at some point. And I definitely – the Penn State thing seems like a reach at this point. Although, they've won twice at Penn State over the years. So there's eight schools 
entering the season, so now there's seven. There's Kansas. seven? Yes, there's That's seven. not like the number Cal, that Cal, Duke, Illinois. This is, this, is, this is from August. Okay. So Cal, Duke, Illinois, Maryland, Rutgers, Syracuse, and Virginia have not hosted game day. Okay. All right. So those are the schools that are left. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, anyway. Anyway. Um, Maryland wins comfortably, and so those of us that were smart enough to see the movement on the spread and decide to roll with Maryland this time, benefited from it myself, Griffin, and Kyle Ottenheimer. But Kyle might have only done that because he hates Michigan State because he's a Michigan man. He might have not been about Maryland at all. Everybody else screwed up because they didn't recognize it. We were not going to make the same mistake twice. Griffin lone wolfed it and stole a point. This is the difference. I told you I, told you I know Navy football. Yes, no, exactly <laughs> the opposite of what you said, which is I have no idea, but I like Ty Lavatai. It's what you said. Um, the heartbreak is that Navy had a chance and unfortunately ends up losing 13-10 to Air Force, so they will not be able to claim the Commander and Trophy, the Chiefs Trophy this year. Um, but they do get a cover, and that's good news for Griffin, who lone-wolfed that one. Shame on me for showing any amount of trust in NC State, the same school that lost four times to Maryland with Phillip Rivers as their quarterback. Ha! It's on me. Uh, uh, John Proctor and Andrew Stecker were the only ones on Clemson covering, and they beat NC State 30-20. Of course, on Thursday night, most of us were in Cincinnati, except for Proctor and Kyle. We all got that. Um, clearly, the result was the lesser storyline than the Tua situation. Uh, the games yesterday, Tennessee, Indianapolis. I didn't really have a good feel for this game. I just knew that like Indianapolis had not done anything to deserve being a three-point favorite over anyone at this point. And so I decided to roll with that, and that paid off. Uh, Andrew Stecka and Ken Zalas were also on Tennessee. They won outright 24-17 to in Indy. <sighs> I felt really good, and the Jaguars are up 14-0, man. I was like, yo! Yo! Did not last. Did not last. Looked up. They were down 29-14. to What the hell just happened? Uh, ultimately, 29-21 was the final score. So it was close. I was a point and a half off, but did not get that cover. Uh, myself, Paul Valley, and John Proctor were on Jacksonville, so we all lost that one. Uh, Griffin's stat about the winless teams that were favored in week four. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Yes, sir. Beautiful. Vegas <laughs> defeats uh, Denver 32-23. to Myself, Griffin, and Paul Valley were on that one. Uh, everybody but Stecka. <laughs> Things have been going well for Stecka. He had been chugging along. You know his stats and figures went four and zero this week. Did they really? Four and zero. I wasn't even really perfect week. Two two trips removed from an, a a winless week. He had a perfect week in stats and figures, but alas, he was the lone wolf on Tampa, who got. I, I know it ended up being a ten point game, but it was not nearly as close as the final score might indicate. Um, they got their butts whooped by Kansas City last night at home, as the Chiefs end up winning forty one thirty one. I have no idea. It's not. When we got it, Tampa was getting a point and a half. Within a day, they were favored yeah. because we figured out the game was going to be in Tampa, which was insanity. I don't know why anyone wouldn't have raced to make that bet. Uh, Buffalo-Baltimore ends up being a push because it was three points. So KZ was the lone wolf on Buffalo. He's trying to argue, because I was a lone wolf, I should get a half a point. No. <laughs> no. I don't think we need to say anything else. No. That's not a thing. Um, uh, everybody ends up getting a push. So only eight picks count for the week. Griffin was top dog at six and two, then myself at five and three. Uh, four and four for Andrew Stecka and KZ. So that game that I made up on KZ actually pulls me into a tie atop the table. 
Uh, tough weeks for Paul Valley and Kyle Ottenheimer at three and five. Really tough week for John Proctor at two and six. So, so gained some ground. You did. You are no longer uh, in second to last place. No. You have uh, moved up. Um, here's how it looks. Myself and KZ at a top table at 23 and 19. Two games back, Kyle Ottenheimer's 500, 21 and 21. Paul and Griffin are now both three games back of the top. They are both 20 and 22. Then you find John Proctor, who is now a uh, vice worm at the moment at 19 and 23. The weird part, and he already tweeted about this, he's four games back at the top of the table four games back of the bottom of the table as well. So that also shows that we're still um, we're, we're still it's pretty close. Yeah. yeah. The only person who's in trouble <laughs> in as far as the top of the table is concerned is Andrew Stecker. It's going to be very difficult for Andrew Stecker to overcome eight games to win. But again, winning not nearly as important. It's not that much money. And by the way, some of you still haven't paid. I got to get on. Do that. you want Venmo or do you want cash? I don't care. Okay. I don't I think uh, I have cash with me. I don't. I don't. Today. You know, I would prefer Venmo. Okay. <laughs> now that I, right. now that I say that out loud, I although if I have to go to that haircut place again, I got a new haircut place and it's a cash only place because really? I guess it's a money laundering scheme, um, which is fine. Like I don't. That doesn't mean I won't go there. As long as they cut your hair. I don't, right? it's like, correct. They cut my hair just fine. I shouldn't have worn the hat. I should have shown off the new haircut. Um, but I might. Like literally, I was about to go to the ATM and then for some reason I had cash in my wallet on Friday. I'm like, well, that's that's nice. Who saw that coming? I didn't expect that, um, but I gotta, I gotta, I gotta look into that. Um, anyway, yeah, Steck is the worm at the moment as he is eight games back, four games behind John Proctor in the race for worm. Proctor, um, uh, oh yes, I do appreciate that you added the column for what the the trends are, Proctor, on the Excel sheet. I appreciate that, and he points out that he thinks he was down fourteen games and came back to win a few years ago. I don't. Was it 14? That is a lot. I do remember that season. I think I was the one that um, fell apart, if I remember correctly. No, did, or did I fall apart? You, you blew a 14-game lead? Or? I don't. That's the thing. I don't think that's, I blew I don't remember what it was. So there was many, a year so where games. I was comfortably ahead all season long, and then like in December, it started chipping away, and it got closer and closer to getting back. I was only up a game going to the Super Bowl, and I blew it. I lost both the Super Bowl and the tiebreaker, and that's how I lost the, the picks competition for the year. Um but that's where we are picks-wise after this week. Now, as far as um, Slaps the Helmet are concerned, that's brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. Well, you can reserve yours right now, ginsugrills.com, and if you use the code TAILGATE, you will save $100 when you order your Ginsu Kamado. Who is calling me? Who doesn't? Why, why would you be calling me right now? Eight nine. Oh, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't give out the phone number. I don't know who it is. Change my mind. Not going to do that. Uh, the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill, the perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill for searing, grilling, baking, and smoking all kinds of food. Get yours right now on GinsuGrills.com. Use that code TAILGATE, and you will save $100 when you do. You know the drill. Five Ravens. Two must be offensive players. Two must be defensive players. The fifth can be anything you like. Oh, baby, you can have whatever you like. Rank them 5-1 to one with number one being your anti-man of the match. My number five, Griffin, is Tyler Linderbaum, whose penalties were quite an issue during the course of the game. I know people keep praising the push, and I thought he played better a week ago against New England after what I thought was a bad day for him against Miami. I did think that he played fairly well, and there was 
Like that was the that's the frustrating part is after New England, like all of the the Kyle Hamilton, Tyler Linderbaum stuff. You were like, man, maybe maybe this was the day. Maybe these guys kind of came into their own. Then Kyle Hamilton was barely on the field yesterday, and Tyler Linderbaum was constantly being penalized. So, womp, womp. I mean, I get it. They're rookies, but considering we have some concerns about some other recent first-round picks, it would be nice if maybe we could see something a bit more consistent from these first-round picks. But um, rough day for Tyler Linderbaum. He is my number five. Yeah, um, I was thinking about going, I don't know, Jerome Boger or... No. Or, I, look, man, or, I or Brandon Stevens because he got the roughing call as as you know, as know bad as it was, it was, but he had... Yeah, it was definitely a brutal call. Yes. Um, but I think I'm going to put John Harbaugh at number five because... You're being very kind. Yeah, because I... I mean, I, I, mean, I guess... I mean, hindsight, we have to kick it there, but I... Anytime you go forward and fourth down, I'm never going to be like livid about it. Um, but he still did not have a great day coaching wise. It was that that challenging the spot, and then even not being kind of being wishy washy with his defense of going for it in post game. So I didn't think he had a great day. So he's going to be number five for me. Uh, we'll get to him. Yeah. <laughs> Promise you that we will get to John Arba. Uh Number four for me is Dafe Owe. I didn't think he actually had an awful game on the whole. Obviously, the thing at the end of the game stands out. Obviously, and and this goes back into the, the coaching question, how could there be confusion about what was going on there? How could there be any confusion? It looked like 10 guys knew what they were doing. and then So that has to fall on Adafi Owe, but yet like you still have to wonder about, like, was there someone else who was saying, yeah, but if you can get the... The fumble, go for it. Like, there, there's so much of that that is confusing. It is a very difficult thing. I talked about this in the postgame show yesterday. It's a very difficult thing because there's multi-layers to it, right? Like, when the Bills get back out on the field, you're trying to get the stop. When you don't, at some point during the drive, you have to be able to communicate, hey, look, we got to, we, you know, we, we can't, now we can't get a stop. We have to not only let them score, if we get the chance, we have to try to help them score. Because we know, and we could sort of see, that Singletary was trying to go down. He wanted to get the first down and then go down. You basically have to get, the first couple guys have to let him go by. But then someone has to like actually go try to tackle him into the end zone. Like That's the damnedest part about it. The damnedest part about it is, it, you have to convey something very specific in that moment. You have to figure out what they're trying to do. They're trying to get the first down because then they have complete control. You're out of timeouts. They can just set up and do whatever they want to do. So they're going to try to get close. They're not going to slide down at the five. They're going to try to slide down at the two. So you've got to be able to convey, hey, if somebody gets down to the two-yard line, you have the opportunity to try to push them into the end zone. Now, maybe the ref is going to blow their whistle and prevent you from doing that, but you at least have to try. What can't happen is what happened. And it's a tough thing to do. And I don't know, like, it, I still don't understand what happened with Marcus Peters. I still don't know what specifically yeah. Marcus Peters was mad about. Like, I still would like to know the answer to, was he mad because John Harbaugh said something to someone on the sideline after they screwed up? Like, was he mad because he didn't like the idea of allowing another team to score? Right. I mean, like, he seemed like one of the first guys to throw his hands up, too, like, after... 
Oway made the tackle. Was he so mad because somebody was mad at him for yelling at Oway? Like, right. Yeah. I would like just like the. I know that John. We probably will never find out. Credit yeah. John Harbaugh because he understands it's not good for anybody for to air out dirty laundry, right? Like, and I'm he's right, but I still selfishly would like to know what happened. It would just be nice to know. Uh, ultimately, we might never. But Dafe Owe is my number four. Yeah, I had Owe at three for the same exact reasons. Number four, I am going to put Lamar Jackson. Okay, he is my number three. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. uh, he threw the inter- he had interceptions, and I mean he he didn't convert. On Missed Mark the Andrews on the the touchdown uh, on the field goal drive earlier. Uh, obviously, Devin Duvernay was open, and he just kind of never looked there. And then I get yeah. he was they like we're I think we're being too critical because he was under a lot of pressure after that, right. and then he just. Like to to assume that he should be able to see that while he's also trying to run backwards to elude pressure is tough, but it was there. The play, Devin Duvernay was wide open, um, but he overall just didn't have a great. Game. I thought he was skittish. I mm. thought that as the offensive line started to struggle, and the offensive line after the first couple of possessions really did start to struggle during the the course of the game. I thought it made him skittish. Um, you know the drop. Rashad Bateman is going to get his ass saved for me because he's not going to show up on this list. But even on the drop, there's a better way to throw that ball. Like, yes, Rashad Bateman needs to catch it, but even on that play, that ball, like he's wide open. You can give him a better ball, especially on a day where the weather conditions were difficult. Doesn't excuse it from Rashad Bateman, but it's one more layer on what happened in the course of yesterday's game. That if you go back and look at that play, yes, Rashad Bateman needs to figure out a way to catch it, but at the same time, there is no reason for the ball to be thrown outside like that when nobody was around. You were not avoiding someone who could have had an opportunity to make a play on the ball. You could have given him a better ball and a better chance to make that play given the weather conditions. So, yeah, Lamar Jackson's my number three because of all of that. Gotcha. Uh, you already said your number three is Adafi Owe. Yes. I'm trying to figure out who's higher on your list. Um, my number Bateman. two. Bateman's oh, Bateman's Bateman yours. Bateman okay. on my list, yes. All right, that's fine. I had him two. That's fine. Uh, my number two is Patrick Queen. Um, obviously, the dropped interception was a was a game-turner. Mm-hmm. Um, that's back-to-back weeks with dropped interceptions. And, you know, it's not like he's doing so much otherwise to make up for it, and that's the problem. Like, I, I don't... I think he's talented. I think there's something there. I thought we saw last season um, what he's capable of doing. And he got comfortable in the second half of last season. He played really well. But just ain't good right now. Just ain't good. Patrick yeah. Queen's my number two. Uh, so Bateman was my number two, and Queen would, would... But you're also kind of a Queen hater. I am it's a Queen a, It's hater. a weird... Yeah. Like, I'm thinking what we should do, like we did with Kenny Young, yeah. and traded him for Marcus Peters, we should probably try to flip Queen for an elite corner. Yeah, I mean... I think... Uh, I mean, somebody still has to play inside line. Or we, can make him, or we can just make him play edge rusher. Because right. Because he seems to be very good at that, but when he's in coverage, he looks completely lost. Yeah. And... Uh, um, very hard to watch. It's um, it ain't great. There's no getting around it. It ain't great. Uh, number one, I, I God bless you for leaving him as low as you did. But John Harbaugh is my number one. Like it's just it's inexcusable. And you know they had the chance to win, and that was significant. I I can't I can't get around it. I cannot get around it. Uh, a lot of you gotten your slaps of the helmet in already at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Continue to do that. Paul Moss five Linderbaum four Bateman three Bynes. 
Hines actually made a really uh, one really good play. I'm trying to remember what it was. He had a, a really good play on third down at some point during the course of the game. Was but it a pass breakup or I can't remember if it was yeah. if it was a tackle or a pass breakup, but he did have a yeah. nice and then he might have been hurt, a pass breakup. And then he was hurt for a little bit. Right. He definitely was hurt. There's yeah. no question about that. Has five Linderbaum, four Bateman, three OA, two Queen, one Harbaugh. Nick, five OA, four Lamar, three Bateman, two Harbaugh, one Queen. Yeah, getting a lot of the same getting a lot of the same group. Not a lot of um I don't understand. What? Proctor put Justin Matabike on it. Justin Matabike would have been one of the guys that would have been on the 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 Pats list for me. Justin Matabike had a great day to me. That's a very weird choice. Um, four Lamar, three Bateman, two Harbaugh, one Queen. Uh, continue to get me yours at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. We will continue to share them throughout the day. Slaps to the helmet. Slaps also brought to you today by the Maryland Five Stars. See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star Fairhill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Brandon Noble was on the call for yesterday's game for their national radio broadcast. We will chat with him about it next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5544. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest menu is now running. It's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year. It features the chicken schnitzel, the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, the brewer sausage sandwich, the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, and the apple cobbler. All of these meals pair well with Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. The Maryland Lottery presents Raven's Greatest Plays. It was called the Mile High Miracle, a 70-yard touchdown pass against Denver with 30 seconds left to send the game into overtime. The Ravens eventually won, propelling them to the championship. Another great Ravens play belongs to Diane from Annapolis. Diane played Raven scratch-offs and won season tickets for 20 years. You could be next. Play Raven scratch-offs with instant prices up to $100,000, and please play responsibly. 
Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guildfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. Tune in to Simply the Bets every Tuesday and weekend at Bookies every other Thursday at 11.40 a.m. And if you really have nothing better to do, keep listening to this show, too. All right, back in here on GCR is when to hour number two of the program. Coming up in a little bit, Dan Wilcox is going to join us. We will get his thoughts on the Ravens' loss to the Bills. And Brandon Noble, in just a second, will check in with us as well. Uh, Matt Torper chimed in, uh, says... The fourth down decision late in the game will be hotly debated. I would have taken the points, but it's no guarantee they would have held on to win. The bigger concern is the overall lack of production on offense in the second half. That's, again, I have no problem. We are obsessed, obsessing over this decision. Understandably obsessing over it. It's not the singular story of what happened in the game. You don't score any points at all in the second half against the Buffalo Bills. You're almost certainly going to lose. Now, the easiest thing to say is, well, they would have scored points if they had just chosen to kick a field goal there. That would be three points. You just kick a field goal, you got three. They didn't do that. Fair. I, I can't argue that. Fair. They wouldn't have gone scoreless. But even scoring three points in the second half might have been not enough to have won. So I have no problem with the idea being Hey, the story to me isn't about the decision. The story to me is about the offense failing to, to score in the second half. Fine. Fine. I actually think that's a better argument than blaming it on the defense. But I think there's a totality picture here, and that's where I come out of it. The totality to me is that I don't think this team is quite good enough to overcome coaching lapses. I think they are good and they have the potential to be very good. But they're not good enough to be able to make up for bizarre coaching. How do you get a delay of game when you're running out for a field goal? Thank God you've got Justin Tucker as your kicker. That 51 yards in those conditions is nothing. How does that happen? How does that occur? A delay of game when you're lining up for a field goal. Our next guest was in Baltimore yesterday. Uh, sorry we couldn't give him better weather uh, as he uh, traveled down for uh, the call of Ravens Bills for Sports USA. He is former NFL defensive lineman Brandon Noble, and he is with us once again here on GCR. Brandon, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, Glenn, I appreciate you having me on, man. That was a uh... That was a heck of a football game yesterday. Well, <laughs> this is probably probably yeah, a lot to talk about, right? Yeah, a lot. To, <laughs> as, as you'd imagine, it's not exactly. Remember what the weather looked like uh, yesterday in Baltimore? That's exactly how we're feeling today again in Baltimore. I understand, exactly I understand that completely. And look, I, I, I live in southeast PA, so I'm in, in Philadelphia Eagles land. And uh, so I understand the ups and downs of fandom really well. And uh, they're obviously really happy up yes, here. Yes, things I mean, are look, going that well. Was a, no doubt. 
Yeah, but but it's not always like that. So it was, you know, it was yesterday was tough. I mean, that was a that was a tough loss for a team that really battled um, up at the very end. And, and and I mean, look, obviously there's there's some huge second guessing kind of moments. Um, but but the the Ravens looked really good for 30 minutes, and then it just kind of all fell apart. Let's cover. Let's try to cover everything that you just brought up there. Let me. Let's get out of the way. Your feeling about the decision, and I, and Brandon, I will present it this way. Um, I, I don't. I don't even fight people about analytics, right? Like, I if I do think there are times where the math simply does explain why some. A lot of people have opinions about like teams that go for two when they're down fourteen, but I I get it. I understand why the math says it makes sense for you to do right. something like that. Doesn't mean you have to, but I understand that. The math, the analytics don't say the Ravens needed to go for it. There, we the next gen stats explained it was a one point seven percent change. In, in the percentage chance of winning the game by choosing to go for it. That's negligible. That's a wash. There's nothing about that that says that's a decision you have to make analytically. The biggest issue I have with it is very specific. It's the clock. You go for it on fourth and one from your own 34. You got an entire quarter to play. If something goes wrong, the risk that you're taking, you got a lot of time to try to overcome it. When you do this here, you allow for what happened to happen to let the other team have the ball and you never see it again. You allow for that to occur by making this decision. And as badly as you want to score and you want to punctuate what has been your best drive of the second half and not wanting to waste it and knowing that, hey, your defense has struggled a little bit, this is the Bills we're talking about, the risk of presenting a scenario where they can start playing the clock and not give you the ball back is too great for me. It's inexcusable to allow that to be something that would play out. Yeah, and and, and it is and look, I, I agree with you. All all of those things. And the other thing that, that really struck me, and I'm I am I am too old school to really dig into analytics too much. But Josh Appel, who I did the game with yesterday, obviously he was he was the play by play guy and we talked a lot about it kind of over the last 24 hours that we both went home and, and even as we left the booth, that decision, right? But the, the thing that really hit home to me was when he sent me a screenshot today, and I'm, I'm not going to get the numbers right because I, I have a Penn State education and I hit myself in the head for way too long, but the, the chance of success on the play, the scoring play, right? Mm-hmm. To, to kick the field goal, to success of scoring and getting a field goal, 99% right, from right, right there. Right. Especially like when you said, when you got Justin Tucker, the, probably the best kicker ever in the NFL, super easy, chip shot, you get the points. Right? The chance of success of, of scoring the touchdown was like 65% or 43. It was, it was something where you go, you know what, like the risk reward there for what you get on the other side of it, which was still like a 60% chance to win didn't make any sense to me. It's a lot easier to kick a field goal and get the points than it is to score a touchdown against one of the top defenses in the NFL. And so, so from that perspective, on top of what you just said, right, you don't have a chance to overcome that mistake against an offense that has all of a sudden found itself in the Bills, right, and your defense has now been on the field. Now, they had a nice break after that drive. That was a beautiful drive yep. to not get points. Um, so, it, look, And that's the worst part, right? It's almost like looking at the Bills the week before against the Dolphins, right, to get that close to being able to kind of get out of it with a win and then losing the game um, and, and what that does to your team. I think the Bills were a little hungover from that loss in the first half, and I think you're going to see that from the Ravens next week. I actually have the Ravens against the Giants in two weeks um, up there in New York, but, but I think that the, uh, 
I think it'll, it'll be really interesting to see how that locker room and that team and that coach staff handles all those things because there's plenty of blame to go around. But when the head coach makes that decision and, and you saw the reaction, I believe it was Marcus Peters, you know, on the sideline, like, like that, that locker room is going to need to kind of come together at some point or it could, it could fall apart. Um, okay, so let's, let's talk about the bigger picture thing, Brandon, and you alluded to this, which is it's tough for me to figure out what the Ravens are four weeks into the season because they are a team with an electric, you know, in the, in the MVP argument, as dumb as it is to talk about that four weeks into the season, quarterback, and they are a team that had a big lead against Miami and a big lead against Buffalo and won comfortably for the most part in their other two games. But they're also a team that's now blown three possession leads twice in as many tries at home. And yep. some there is an argument for somebody to make that says you can't be if you do that, you can't possibly be a good team. And I and I struggle with that because I think they might be a good team, but damn, it is a compelling argument to make to say they aren't by pointing out <laughs> the leads that they have blown. What are the Ravens four games into this season? Well, I, I think the the Ravens are you, you hit it a little bit. They're an explosive offensive football team with a, an amazing weapon with the ball on his hand on every play in Lamar Jackson. Uh, he has weapons around him. I, I think one of the things – I think the Ravens' offense sometimes doesn't know exactly who it is. I love their run game, but I don't think they run the ball enough, even with the QB run involved. Um, and then the, the really the, the bigger picture to me is on the other side of the ball. Defensively, what, what has happened to that group? They're super – they're explosive, right? They have those two, ter- two takeaways early – in the game against the Bills that changed the momentum of the first quarter, right? Basically the reason that the Ravens were up is because the, their, their defense took the ball away from the Bills offense. So that was it. I mean, that was it. They, they put their offense in great position on the four, the first drop, right? And then, and then they were able to play well enough and get the Bills backwards, right? That fell apart. That defense doesn't sustain that. You can't win like that, right? The rest of it has to come along. You've got to be solid in the run game. You've got to be able to win on third down, like those kinds of things. And I do think they're reeling a little bit from, from getting rid of um, Wink. You know, like I, I don't – that defense didn't look the same to me. I had him a couple times last year. Didn't look the same to me. And I think that that's where the issue is. And in the NFL, you have to be able to play enough defense, right, to, to win the game. You don't have to play a ton. I mean, look at the track meet out there right now. I mean, everywhere. I mean, it just is. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the game is built now with the weapons that are running around out there, it's hard to stop people. Um, so I, I think that that's a big part of it. I really do. I think offensively, they're they're as good as anybody in the league. They really are. I, I think that again, they they outthink themselves sometimes. Uh, you know, just hand, hand the ball off every once in a while. You know, what I mean, or run the quarterback again. I know people don't like to talk about that as much, um, but he's a weapon, and and I I really think that that's what it is. And then I think the other thing, the bigger bigger picture, right? You know, again, talking from a Philadelphia area guy where I live now, is. You know, has, has John Harbaugh's message gotten lost a little bit there, right? He's been there forever and won a ton of football games, right? I mean, one of the best to do it up there. But like, so we, we watched it happen up here in Philly with Andy Reid, right? It happens eventually. Like, eventually, and Andy went on to go coach the Chiefs, right? So, like, you know, is, is, is it getting stale in there? And, and those are all things that we'll figure out over kind of the second half of the season. Um, but but, I, but I, th- I think they're a good team. I just don't think they're as good a complete team as you need to be in the AFC to make a real run right now. Doesn't mean it can't be fixed, but right now, Chiefs, Bills 
are better football teams. Uh, Brandon Noble is with us, former NFL defensive tackle. He called yesterday's game for Sports USA Radio. Brandon, are, are those how do you measure those things versus what they're still missing, right? Like, how do you measure, you know, is there an impact of losing Wink versus the fact that they had one legitimate edge rusher on the field yesterday in the Dafe way, <laughs> and then, you know, they were forced to throw, and by the way, I thought Jason Pierre-Paul performed admirably um, yeah. <laughs> for, thrown into the mix after being around for all of four days and not having a training camp at 33 years old. Um, but, like, how, I, that, that's, I guess this is what, I, I still keep coming back to this, right? Like, yeah, maybe there are big problems, but how much of it still is, some of that can be solved if they can get Tyus Bowser back on the field and David Ajabo yep. into the mix and Justin Houston comes back in a week or two and we hope Ronnie Stanley is going to play football again at some point, although, my God, who knows? We are so yeah, sick know, of talking about it. Um, yeah. How do you measure those things versus, you know, hey, is there an issue with the message or something like that? Well, I mean, look, that, that's a part of the NFL, right? Like, that, everybody is in this boat. I mean, literally, the, the last, I've called three games this year, and minus the first one where everybody was healthy because we just started playing. Um, you know, the, the Tennessee Titans and the Raiders a couple weeks ago, they banged up. You know, look, the, the, um, the, the, the Bills, right? Their two starting defensive tackles didn't play yesterday, and Ed Oliver, you know, who's, a, who's an absolute monster inside. So everybody's in this boat, and, and that – that's an NFL issue right now across the board. People are banged up. Um, I, I do think that with Wink Martindale, he was so creative. You talk about not having your edge rushers. He was so creative in the way that he pressured. And you saw a little bit of it yesterday. But with the way that they brought everybody, right, safeties, edge guys, middle linebackers, you know, he was so creative in his pressure packages that you can kind of overcome some of that stuff. Now, again, playing Josh Allen, maybe you want to go into a different direction. Obviously, it's super easy up in the booth to say send to the safeties. Um, but, uh, but, you know, completely different animal when you're calling the game. So, so look, they've got to get healthy. That's a part of the, the, the war of attrition that is an NFL season, though. The next guy has to come up, and you have to figure out how to win with what you have um, and, and play good defense with what you have. So, so they'll, they'll get healthy. Some of those guys will come back. Some of them, you know, may or may not, or they may not be as effective. Um, but, but that's a part of the deal, right? And, and you've got to figure out how to overcome that. And, and then, you, you know, again, I, I just go back to, like, you know, you make a couple uh, – it's been a long time since I've seen a player get that heated and yeah. confront yeah. a coach than I have in, in a long time. And, and that tells me a lot about where the locker room is right now. I, I, the, the only thing I, – I understand it, but we just – we know Marcus Peters to be an emotional guy over his career, yep. right? Like, if, if it was somebody else, I'd probably be alarmed by it, but – I mean, everything that we were told, you know, about Marcus Peters when he arrived in Baltimore was like, well, you know, you got to be, you got to be prepared for this. And I would, I would argue is the Ravens have been extraordinarily fortunate. Marcus Peters has been great ever since he arrived oh, in Baltimore. Absolutely. He's been phenomenal. And, and we haven't, we've seen very little of this, but kind of knowing his history, I, I'm a little bit more inclined to say, Hey, Marcus Peters is an emotional dude and was an emotional in a frustrating situation. And I'm not. I'm not ready. Look, man, if we see it again, like if we see it from somebody else, right. then I'm more inclined to like, okay, let's have a talk, conversation about it. But right now it comes off more to me as just, dude, that's an emotional guy. And I'm not mad at Marcus Peters about it. Dude, it sucks to lose. Like I understand it's the NFL. Um, it, it comes right. off more as an emotional player in a frustrating moment. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm closer to be willing to dismiss that because of it. It's... 
No, and look, that's completely fair, right? But it, but it is it is not what you want to see, right? Sure, Whether sure. he's emotional or not, right. right? Like this is this I watched. So I watched him before they went to kick that field goal run the length of the sideline to go down and talk to John Harbaugh. But he sprinted with a Nick cap on all the way down the sideline to go town to take a timeout. Now, again, that's your safety, your defensive back, right? You don't have to listen to that coach. But, like, they knew, right? The team knew that that was the wrong decision. Right. And, th- and that's the issue, right? And, and eventually, those little things add up. Now, it may not be – maybe they go and win this week. You know what I mean? And they, they get on a run, and, and winning fixes everything. But losing like that, and if you do it over and over again, oh, yeah. especially no if question. it's on more, more of you know, a decision kind of thing. Yep. Um, you know, again, it, it's it, like I said, it's, it's just one of those things where you just go, man, that, that was an interesting moment in the game, you know, and, and what is the locker room really like? Because it's not easy, man. I, winning and losing in the NFL, it's such a high-pressure business. And when you lay it out there and you almost won a couple times and you lose – and you're not used to losing, um, you know, those, those things add up. And I'm not saying that there's, you know, he's a cancer. I'm not saying that the locker room's gone, um, you know, but, but I'm saying that there, there's, those are things that start showing when guys are frustrated. And guys don't, you know, guys get frustrated, but, you know, like to do that, that's a whole different animal. Uh, before I let you go, Brandon, you're a defensive player. Um, what'd you think of that roughing the passer call on Brandon Stevens on the final drive of the game? Oh, I, thought, I thought it was. Uh, one of the best uh, LeBron James acts by Josh Allen that I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I look, I, he hit him and, and it was definitely, it was not, um, I didn't feel like he, you know, he didn't dump him. He didn't, he didn't lead with his head. He hit him and it was probably on the edge of being a step off, you know what I mean? For the rules, the way that they are now. Right. Um, but Josh Allen did a great job acting, kind of throwing himself up in the air and laying on the ground and then pounding his fists on the ground like a child. Uh, as quarterbacks do when they get touched these days, and uh, and and getting the flag, and it's a shame. I mean, I, I don't, li- I obviously don't like the call. Um, but when you when you watched it on the replay, you know, you know, it was a touch late, but it didn't look malicious. It didn't look bad. Um, and and I think that you know Josh Allen did a great job acting. And it was definitely not forcible contact of the head or neck, as was described by Jerome Boger yeah. after the game. It was definitely no, it, not. No, it definitely that. was not. Definitely not. Definitely that. not. Brandon, uh, where are you headed next? Uh, so I've got I've actually got the the Steelers at the Bills next weekend. Okay. Um, and then, like I said, week week six I've got the Ravens at the Giants. So uh, definitely uh, would love to catch up I with would, you guys. I would love to. After that. We will we will plan yeah. on maybe two weeks from today. We plan on uh, chatting again, and maybe after we got two more games worth of evidence, we have another powwow about where the Ravens are at that point. I love the sounds. I of love it. it. That, uh, at that B- would be great. At seventy five on Twitter is how you follow him. Anything else we can plug for you, Brandon? No, man. I mean, look, I, I actually I own a couple restaurants up here in Southeast PA. But uh, if it, so, if anybody's up in the area and they want a good pork roll, egg, and cheese, uh, Bright Spot Cafe up here in Newtown Square, PA. I'm not so. Uh, this the pork roll Taylor Ham, of course, debate is I know uh, very significant in that portion of the country. I'm I'm not the biggest pork roll man on the face of the planet. But I tell you what, this is a promise. Uh, Next time I'm up there, I'm gonna give it a shot. Uh, because Absolutely. you've been, I will make you one that uh, will change your mind on I that. I love it. Absolutely. I love it. Hey, Brandon Noble, always <laughs> appreciate you, man. Thank you for taking the time right, for guys. us. Thanks, Brian. Brandon Noble, uh, Sports USA Radio, checking in with us here on uh, GCR after frustrating day. I, I, you know, I we're dancing on it. Wait, when he brings up the the idea about the message, I understand. And by the way, I did not. I think that provides something for us. I had not seen 
that Marcus Peters was running after John Harbaugh on the fourth down call. That gives me way more clarity about that situation. That comes off way more like Marcus Peters was still pissed off about that decision, and after they lost the game, he wanted to remind John Harbaugh that he screwed up. And that is, that's more interesting than it being you know about the Adafe thing or being about letting somebody score. That says, based on the evidence that Brandon Noble has now presented to us, Marcus Peters and his Nick Cap was chasing after John Harbaugh on the sideline about that decision to go for it on fourth down. Then the thing that happened at the end of the game probably directly tied to that. Here's a player that didn't like a decision that you made, was pissed off about it, and wanted to remind you that he was pissed off about it. So to say, you know, is the message getting stale? I don't know if it's the message, but to Brandon's point, perhaps there's something to be said about um, more specifically are players struggling with decisions that are made. And again, we saw some of this a year ago where decisions that were made that in most part I thought were more justifiable backfired. And does that start to build up? Do you need to have a better pulse of your team? For the most part, we always hear that the team likes it when you're aggressive. That's what we hear for the most part. For the most part, we hear from the players, we will always be supportive of aggression. We'll always be supportive of being a team that's trying to go for it, that's trying to push, that wants to go win. But are there unique circumstances? Marcus Peters is a smart dude. Maybe Marcus Peters was thinking about the same thing I was thinking about in that moment. Like, dude, we normally like it when you're aggressive, but like now you're leaving us hanging out to dry where we got to play against the team and the clock, and that's a losing battle. Maybe in that moment, he was thinking exactly the way that I was thinking. Hey, bro, normally good with aggressive, but this is reckless. Give us the lead, and if we allow a field goal, play on. Help us out slightly here, but you're running a massive risk. And it ain't worth it. And I get it. It's not about you not believing that your team can score a touchdown. But I think we all know it's actually harder to convert on fourth and two from or fourth and goal from the two than it is to convert a fourth and two in the middle of the field because you have less field to work with. There is a back line that is bottling you up. It, it's it's inexcusable. It's it's not. Stop with the fire. John Harbaugh needs to be able to take... He he doesn't owe anyone a mea culpa. John doesn't have to come out today at his press conference and be like, you know what, guys? I've thought about it more. I screwed up. He doesn't have to do the... the uh, who was it? who was the coach of... Um, was it Nathaniel, Nathaniel Hackett? Hackett? He doesn't yeah, have to do the Nathaniel Hackett. Hackett bit. He doesn't have to do that. But he internally needs to be able to recognize it internally there has to be a conversation today to say you know what we got too cute there we screwed up we didn't think about the big picture of what the risk was that we were taking and again i will defend 
not just because it worked. I'll defend the fourth and one from your own 34. It's bold. It's borderline reckless, but it wasn't even a full yard. It was less than a yard. It was a scenario where you were able to just come up and sneak it. You didn't have to hand. Anytime you have to do anything in your operation besides that, that involves anything else, a handoff, a pass, there's so many things that can go wrong. We saw that, of course, on the goal line early in the season where a snap went awry. When all you got to do, hand the ball off, fall forward, the percentage chance of converting it becomes significantly greater. And with still more than a quarter to play, it's a risk worth taking. In that moment, when you can give the ball back to the other team and let them play both to win score-wise and via the clock, you can't take that risk. You can't. And I hope that internally that's a conversation they can have. And I hope that they can sit down and John Harbaugh can go back to Marcus Peters and be like, you know what, man? You're right. We screwed up. We screwed up. And you deserve better than that. Our fault. And it ain't going to happen again. We're going to listen to you guys. We're going to... Like, I hope that that can occur. I hope that it's not such a stubborn... I hope that... The one thing that I really worry about today is more BS about analytics. There is no analytical argument. None. Yes, you'd like to be up by seven points instead of three. Like, if you want to make it that... Well, in one scenario, you're only going to be up by three. In another scenario, you could be up by seven. But you can make the same argument... If you were fourth and goal from the 12, are you going to go for it there? I did see one more uh, like analytic thing. If you, the, so the, the Ravens' win probability before the play was 67%, I guess assuming they're going to kick the field goal, mm-hmm. and then had they converted and scored a touchdown, their win probability would have risen it's to not 84%. About, it's not about had they converted. It's got to right. be before the play. That's the, right. It's got to be specifically not knowing what the outcome of the play is. What is the exact change based on the decision? Right. Because you can't assume that they're going to convert. Clearly, they want to convert. But a conversion cannot be assumed, unlike a short field goal, which, of course, you can assume. You have to factor in the risk of failure making that decision. The analytics of the decision cannot... You can't assume you're going to convert everything. Or else, again, why would you ever punt? If you just assume you're going to convert everything... Well, yeah. You never punt. You never kick a field goal. I like that idea. A lot of people have suggested it over the years. After they didn't get it, their win probability dropped to 42% after the interception. I can't believe it was still that high. Yeah. Um, I wonder what it would have been if, if like there was no interception, they got the ball to two. Instead like, of the 25. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 20. I get, I get the argument. But again, you have to find, in order to define what the actual analytical decision is, you have to know. That's why the next-gen stats right, number is right. so good. The 1%. And, and other people have other formulas for describing it. But you have to know before the play exactly what the percentage change was in just going for it because it's got to factor in the risk. That next-gen stats number factors in the risk and says it's a 1.7% difference. Which, again, somebody, a dumb person would say, well, that's, that's better. But all of us who understand statistics understand that's negligible. Like, it's what that says is six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. You got to figure it out. 
You can't keep hiding behind analytics. There are times where, again, analytics, and I always hate when we just use this dumb catchphrase. Like, there are mathematical decisions to, that are made where sheer math, the understanding of math, will help you understand it. I don't think teams have to go for two when they're down 14 and score a touchdown, but I get why the math, two-point conversions are essentially a 50-50 proposition. So if you use that, the likelihood is you're going to get one of the two. If you get the first one, then you just kick an extra point and win. If you don't, you got the same percentage chance of getting the second one. It's not a guarantee, but I get the math. I understand it. The math isn't there. The math doesn't math on this one. Analytics is not the answer. Something else is. And I get John Harbaugh doesn't want to say, I thought our defense was gassed and they were going to get their ass kicked. To the point that Brandon Noble just made, why would they be gassed? The Ravens have just put together a long 90-plus yard drive. They had just had plenty of time to rest. Why would that be in your decision-making? There's nothing. There's nothing there. Today's show, also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Dan Wilcox is up next. We'll get his thoughts on who the Ravens are at this point in the season. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back with season two of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. Or is it Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, October 4th at 7 p.m. at Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. It's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. 
Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressbox sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio so join us live on the bat around every saturday from 10 a.m to noon right here at Pressbox sports glory days grills oktoberfest menu is now running it's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year it features the chicken schnitzel the oktoberfest brewer's platter the brewer sausage sandwich the bavarian burger with a pretzel bun the cheddar ale soup the slam dunk pretzels and the apple cobbler all of these meals pair well with oktoberfest beers and angry orchard on draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Check out Jeremy Kahn's daily picks at pressboxonline.com as he tries to find you daily winners. And speaking of winners, here's a man who once won a media curling contest and I don't think anything else. He's Glenn Clark. We're getting to the end of the line for this print issue of Pressbox. Only, ooh, what at this point, two weeks left for you to go get this at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. You'll still be able to read it all at PressBoxOnline.com, but Mark Andrews on the cover, larger than life. Go get it for free right now. And then uh, coming up in, uh, I think, two weeks from today, right about two weeks from now, coming up at that point, we will have the new print issue with Kevin Willard on the cover. All right, so let's continue to discuss it. Obviously, an unpleasant day in Baltimore. Joining us now to try to help us make some sense of it. He is our friend, former Ravens tight end, and the host of the Believe in Ravens podcast with our buddy Bo Smolka. He is Mr. Dan Wilcox, and he's back with us now on GCR. Dan, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm great, Glenn. How are you, buddy? Well, you know, I mean, other than other than having to talk about this for four hours doing a post game show yesterday and two more hours this morning other than that yeah. i you know I, I am where you were once upon a time my life personally no longer affected nearly as much because i get to go home to the, my two boys yesterday and i'm like you know what i don't care about this i don't care about anything at all i just care about hanging out and playing with the boys so uh life is better for me in that way um i i, I let me start with the decision where where are you with the Ravens' decision to go forward on fourth and goal. I, and I, I preface it by telling you, Daniel, in the immediacy, I, my biggest fear was I don't mind going forward on fourth down in the third quarter, even on your own side of the field, because you got a lot of, lot of time left if something goes wrong. The risk of giving the Bills the ball back with a chance to just need to score a field goal and be able to milk the clock, which ultimately they did, was not something that I was okay with messing around with. I, I'm not trying to make it seem like I was brilliant or I was a soothsayer or something like that, but that's the type of risk that I just don't mess with in that moment. What say you? 
I'm a little mixed on it, man. Uh, you know, I, I love the fact that Harbaugh trusts the offense enough to get it in and punch it in two yards out or go for it on fourth down and short all the time. And, you know, I love that, you know, because you always want a coach to believe in you, especially on every level that want becomes greater and greater and greater. You know, at the same time, you want to make educated decisions. And unfortunately, we just haven't been good in that situation. You know, we had a couple of games last year. We went for it at the end of the game to try to go for the win instead of the field goal to tie and put us in overtime. And we went for it. We lost those two games. And then you come back this year, you get in that same situation again, you know, with more time on the clock. And then you go for it again. And I think I'm fine with him being gutsy enough to go for it with fourth and two on the goal with Lamar Jackson, that quarterback. I think I'm just really upset with the, the play call. You know, like I'm not really happy with the play call they called. I just don't. And I said this earlier this morning when me and Bo talked on, um, on, on Believe in the Ravens podcast. And I was telling Bo the same thing. I was like, Bo, look, I really – I just don't see you taking the most dynamic player in the NFL, the most dynamic quarterback, the most dangerous dual-threat quarterback in the NFL, and make him drop back like a regular passer in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, throughout the game, yeah, it's okay. But in that situation, you got to put him in a, in a two-way, two-way, three-way goal where he can run it. You know, he can hand it off, he can run it, or he can throw it. You know, it's a hard, that's why they call it run-pass option for a reason, man. You, know, you have an RPO quarterback, and then you try to make him stay in the pocket, and then he gets forced out of the pocket. He ends up running backwards and having to throw the ball off his back leg. He couldn't see the, um, Duvernay because he had guys in his face at the time. He had to get out of the pocket to even be able to see him. You know, as he rolls out the pocket, now Duvernay comes wide open, and it's too late to get him the ball by that time because he's been sitting there doing jumping jacks in the end zone for like three, four seconds. And then he throws the ball off his back foot, didn't get enough power on it, and um, the ball ended up getting picked off. And, you know, with four minutes on the clock, you still think you got time to get that ball back in that situation. And I can understand Harbaugh's thought process. You know, they just went on a 14-play drive, eight up nine minutes of the fourth quarter. You know, you're thinking, like, we already rolling. You know, we we definitely going to get it. You know, but you, you need your offensive coordinator to call a better play and put you in a better situation at that time of the game. And I just didn't think the play call was the best play call ever. Uh, Dan, we're now in a situation where we're four games in, and we know the Ravens are a good team. We we certainly know how good Lamar Jackson is. It's insane how good he is. Uh, didn't have a a brilliant day yesterday, but I mean he's still Lamar Jackson. But we also now have the evidence of two blown three possession leads at home in as many tries and. A lot of people, it's a dumb thing to say, but you'll hear this sentence, good teams don't do that, and it's it's kind of hard to argue against that. So what are the Ravens four games into the season? I, I'm, I'm going to tell you straight up, I, I can't say it no other way, Glenn. I, I really think the Ravens are an elite team. I really think they're one of the top five teams in the NFL right now. Um, I, think they got, I think they're stacked at every position. I think the two games that you've lost, and you have to really ask yourself this, Glenn. And if you, I, I throw this question off on you. You know, are the Ravens two and two because of the players? Or are they two and two because of the coaching? You have to really ask yourself that. And then you got to have, you got a whole other debate that comes on from that point on, man. And um, I think the, I think the Ravens hands down, or I believe that the Ravens hand down is one of the top five teams in the NFL right now. And I think I think they're two and two right now off mistakes and bad play calling, bad situation, bad clock management. Just like the Bills OC was pissed off last week when they lost that game on clock management and stuff like that, I think the Ravens have lost two games on on just clock management situation, bad calls, 
um, not taking the time out, you know, when, when, when the player's not on the same page because you got the play call in too late or something like that. I don't know what it is, but I don't feel like the Ravens are 2-2 two and two because of the players. I feel like they're 2-2 two and two because of coaching. And that goes back from, you know, from day one at practice on, on, on Monday after the game. If you're going in on Mondays, you know, Tuesday's usually your day off, but Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, those three days, those three, four days that you get to practice, you got to be, you got to iron out all this stuff that's going on. You can't make the same mistake twice. And as far as I'm concerned, this mistake that we just made yesterday was the same mistake we made two times last season and, and cost us two games that we should have won. You know, and I just I, I I I think you kick the field goal when you got Justin Tucker always. Yeah. I just think you never need lead points on the um on the field. Any time you got a guy as good as him, as prolific as he is, and he's a Hall of Fame kicker, I just don't think you ever take the ball off his foot. You always put the ball on his foot. Let him get his three in the fourth down situation with four minutes on the clock. You could possibly get the ball back. The Ravens defense have been getting turnovers like they normally do in the years past. They're back to being playing at that high level where they're getting two or three turnovers a game. You know, they just haven't started turning them into touchdowns yet. But as soon as they start turning those turnovers into touchdowns, then you're pretty much back to the old Ravens defense. You so, know, and they still got to learn how to stop the run. Dan Wilcox is with so, us here on GCR. Are you worried at all? Because I, I, I think you're right. Are you worried at all, though, about the, the totality of – we saw a scene at the end of yesterday's game with Marcus Peters, you know, getting after John Harbaugh. Do you worry about the impact of the decisions and any sort of fracturing within the locker room about players saying, hey, we've done our job. You've let us down. Do you worry about any of that? Absolutely. I mean, this game is all based off of personalities and, 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 and freaking communication and, and just having confidence. If you don't have the confidence in me as a player, it makes me a worse player. It makes me a, it makes me not a very good player. But if you got confidence in me as a coach, as a player, man, I'm so much better. You know, it's, temperament is everything. You know, chemistry is everything. The Ravens do a very strategic job of putting the right players on their team. They don't put players on their teams that are cancers. If they feel like a guy's a cancer, he's out. You mm-hmm. can you can guarantee that guy's out. You're not gonna waste time to get rid of him. I don't care how good he is, how bad he is. You know, the frustration you see from Peters, I think, is warranted. You know, I think and, – and I was, I was telling Bo this this morning, too. I was like, I don't think – you look at the marriage. When you and your wife get in an argument, is it because of one thing or is it because oh, of – Oh, no. Thing? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's everything. What, something just sets yeah. it off, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It could be the smallest thing that sets off the argument, but you better believe your wife has been mad at you for, for months over the same thing, and you've done it multiple times, and now it's built up and she explodes on you. Right. And when you see a, a player react the way that Marcus Peters did, um, that Peters did the other day, that's, it's the same thing. It's a buildup. He's frustrated. He's just built up, and you see the frustration explodes and comes out. It wasn't because of that one play call or that one decision that Harbaugh made. It was multiple decisions or multiple play calls or multiple things that's happened over the course of time of him being in Baltimore, and now you're seeing it come out. And you're seeing it lash out. He lashed out and, and became a back-and-forth thing. And Harbaugh is not the type of guy that tells players not to, you know, not to challenge him. He, 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 he don't mind you challenging him. Okay. You know, he used to push you to a point where you could do that because he, it shows what kind of person you are. It shows how you really feel. It shows what kind of man you are. He'd rather you not be the guy that's going to be quiet all the time. He wants the guys that's going to challenge him sometimes too because iron sharpens iron, you know. So I think I think the the backlash from Peters will be discussed. I think him and Harbaugh sit down, hopefully man to man, and and figure it out amongst themselves, and then they'll go relay that to the team that we squashed it 
whatever the situation was. And he was right for feeling the way he he felt. And I understand it. I hear you guys. And this is what we're about to do to fix it. I like that. You that, know, that's yep. what you do. That's yep. what you do when you got a bunch of grown men. Yep. Doesn't need to happen in public. Doesn't need to like it's it's frustrating, Dan, because you know you're on our side now. We'd we'd like to see that. We'd like to hear it. But I get it. Like that's not the way this works. That they handle it the way that they handle it and make sure everybody's on the same page and all's good from there. And we don't need to know about it as much as uh, dopes like me would like to uh, get those answers. That's just the way that it goes. Let let me let me right. pose another one to you if I could, Dan. There are. I'm in a weird. I don't like talking about the Ronnie Stanley thing because we hear like fans say Ronnie's stealing money. He should be out there, and I all I can say back is like, dude, you have no idea what's going on. Like you are clueless as to what's going on, and you're just running your mouth. Um, but right. it's but it is awkward, right? Like he has been practicing, and he's not on the field. Is there a point where like teammates start asking about it? Is there ever a point where like a teammate says, "Hey, dude, you planning on playing?" Like, how does that? What does that look like in a locker room when you're dealing with something like this? Yeah, anything that you hear fans say, the players have already thought of it ten ways on Sunday. So, the way players see things is like when, when a guy like Ronnie Stanley, he didn't come out of college and get paid a, a grip right off rip. He earned it. You know, he put he, he put in work. He earned the money. They gave him the money because of what he did in the past, and they wanted to see him continue to do it in the future. So uh, the money that he's getting right now is money well earned. You know, he put in the work to, to prove to him, but they, to prove to the Ravens that he deserved it. That's why he's getting it. You know, so, you know, we don't look at it like that at all. I mean, you'll have some guys that'll mess with you and crack jokes and say little slick things to you. Yeah. Well, running right now, but he's making freaking $20 million a year. And he ain't even he ain't even got to play right now, you know. Mm-hmm. He, you know, but at the end of the day, you know what, what kind of work he put in to get to the point to get the twenty mil in the first place. So you respect it, but you'll crack jokes and you'll say those slick things and stuff. <laughs> and of course, you want him back out there. I mean, you're better with him on the field. You know, at the same time, you got him back out there last year and he wasn't ready. You rushed him back out there, and then you got him hurt all over again. You know, at this point, you want to see them do the right thing by that guy. Because his future is on the line. His career is on the line. That guy could play another 10 years. You know, not just two or three. He could play another 10. You know, so you want to see him, you know, really take advantage of, of the situation that he has in Baltimore and them willing to allow him to come back gradually and slowly and not rush him back out there so fast and get him back on the field so that he can help your franchise win games. I get it. You know, he's a, he's a huge part of your greatness and a huge part of your success, and your quarterback loves him. You know, so – Take the time, do what he needs to do. You know, he got back out there and practiced, you know, full practice and stuff last week. You know, I don't think you throw him right into the fire where he has to react to versus muscle memory. You have you have to take a little bit more time to let him heal all the way and make sure that he's 100%. And that way you give him a legitimate shot, you know, to get better. And this time, if you don't get better this time, maybe he's injury prone and you have to cut ties with him. Um, hey, before I let you go, man, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Tua thing because – I. I sense a particular amount of emotion coming from players that 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 this is particularly troubling because it's really a microcosm of how organizations treat players like commodities. Um, when, right. when you watch that unfold, what's going through your mind and 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 you know that there are a lot of guys that like just want to be out there that like it they're the ones saying, dude, I want to be out there playing. Um, can you take me through what you were thinking as you saw all of that last week? 
Well, it's the same thing that you're talking about with the Ronnie Stanley situation. You know, Ronnie Stanley right now, if it's up to him, he's on the field playing. If he could walk, he plays. You know, and that's the mindset that we've always had because as players, you want to play. You don't care about practicing, but you dang so want to play. You want When the game comes, you strap on your uniform and put that helmet on in front of thousands and millions and hundreds of thousands of people. You want to play. You really do want to play. So Tua is a guy that's a victim of, of, of playing this game that we love so much. You know, he really, really wanted to play. You know, he did whatever he had to do to play, and he probably would have said anything he had to say in order to get out there to play. There's no doubt in my mind, Glenn, that the first play when he got hit and he fell backwards and hit his head on the turf, it wasn't a spinal injury. It was a concussion. Mm -hmm. He got a concussion, and they did what they needed to do in order to try to smooth it over because they wanted to continue to win games, and that's how important winning games is to them. You know, they threw the whole season last year. They in trouble already for trying to pay a coach to lose games just so they can get a higher draft pick. You know, so, I mean, you know the Miami Dolphins want to win. They think this year is their year, and they think they need Tua to do it. You know, so I think they persuaded the kid, you know, to say the things he needed to say in order to go out there and play. And he said, if you won't let me play, then I'm – I mean, it's not it's, – it's very uncommon that you get two concussion-type plays back-to-back, game-to-game. You know, those plays usually come far in between. You know, so if you get a concussion, you don't get hit that, that, that same way again, probably another 10, 15 games or 20 games sometimes. You know, he just so happened to get another concussion-type play. Yep. You know, one game later, four, get, four days later from the last concussion-type play. And I just felt like the Dolphins knew what was going on. The team doctors knew what was going on. Tua knew what was going on. And they still allowed him to play anyway. You know, so to me, it's on the Miami Dolphins. It's on their franchise. It shows you what kind of character they have as an organization. I wouldn't want to play in Miami. You know, I'm just being 100 with you. Yeah. I wouldn't want to play down there. My last year in Baltimore – I had a questionable injury with my shoulder, and um, I played through it all season long. I couldn't lift my arm. I couldn't lift my hand literally past my waistline. My, that's how low my arm would come up. And I was told I had a pinched nerve all season long. At the end of the year, I go see Dr. Andrews, and he tell me I got a torn labrum and a torn bicep tendon. So I played all year with a torn labrum and a torn bicep tendon and didn't even know it. You know, so that's one situation where somebody tells give you misinformation, and then another situation where somebody knows something wrong with you and they still push you back out there. In the old days, we played through every concussion. We never came out for a concussion. Yeah. We played through them all. We got multiple concussions probably in the same game and never came out. You know, so all the concussion protocol has been put in place for a reason, Glenn. And I just feel like, you know, it's really pricing and backstabbing that the Dolphins would allow that kid to go out there and play. And the, and the player is going to be the player. Right. He, his job is to play. Right. So if you tell him you want to play and you tell him you need him to play, then he's going to do his best to play for you. Any opportunity. We, we put our lives on the line every single time. Yeah, we gladiators, man. We gladiators. We're trying to win for you every single time. Man, it, it so, is, it's terrifying, bro. Like, it's really, I mean, it's terrifying. I, I mean, even you just talking about what you were dealing with. I Like, it's, it's, it's terrifying because it makes you fear that, like, that a team will always do whatever they can to try to avoid, like, you know, hey, we – but we just need you out there, man. Like, you know, we got a salary cap and, and we you got to play. Like, we just have to have you. Like, I just it, – it makes me feel hinky about – like, I, you know, I, dude, I love football. Like, I love it. It is a joy for me to sit down and watch football. But it you, it, you just can't help it. Like, I woke up Friday morning feeling hinky about it. I'm like, oh, God, that was unpleasant for me. I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't enjoy watching football last night. Right. Yeah, it's, it's tough, man. Um, to see the Ravens, I mean, to see the whole tour situation, you know, that was, yeah. to me, that was, 
it was really, really disheartening, you know, to think yeah. that they would put that kid in jeopardy like that. I, I didn't even know he was going to play because I knew hands down it was a concussion. 100% of the time when somebody falls backwards like that and their head get jerked like that whiplash motion and they, they the back of their head hit the turf, 100% of the time that's a concussion. I've never seen it be anything other than a concussion. So the fact that they were trying to play it off as a spinal thing when he got up and obviously he was knocked unconscious and he was trying to walk and he was staggering and falling all down, you know, that was prototypical of a head injury. You know, so to, to come back that next week and put them back in that game underneath that situation is somebody just being extremely greedy, you know, and selfish, you know, not thinking about his future, his career. And it just shows you how much of a business that, that it is that we're playing in. You know, not a lot yet. of people don't just don't, they just don't care. That's why, the, that's why the concussion lawsuit is what it is. Yep. That's why concussion protocol is what it is. And that's why everybody's suing the NFL, all these older guys like myself, we're out here trying to figure out how to get the money that they owe us. You know, and it's and people don't people don't see like that. People just want their team to play, and they just want their team to win. Yep. You know, you become fans of the team and fans of the organization. Players come and go. You know, every time a player leaves, you miss them, but you don't miss them very long. You on to the next number. It's true. And that's that's how it is. It's your team. It's your team. You love you fall in love with the team, the franchise, the organization, and whoever comes and play for you, you just pray to God that they're good enough to make you want to just want to come to every game. Well, I know. I promise you this. I'm always gonna love you, bro. Like I promise you that there will never there will never be a day where that's not the case. Uh, at Coach Wilcox on Twitter is how you follow him. And again, you guys are gonna want to check out Believe in Ravens um, with uh, with Dan and Bo as they break down uh, the loss to the Bills yesterday. Uh, let's do it again a little bit down the road, man. Always appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. No. Oh, we got we got to get a uh, like one of these Zoom things, man, with the Zoom podcast thing going on, Let's man. Let's do it. We, I will work on that so that we can see each other. I miss it, bro. What I I'm talking about you know you know the affinity we have for you, man. Like you know, bro. Like, here. Man, and here. we you know we know that because you drove to, you drove overnight to Miami to come hang out with us on no sleep at the Super Bowl all those years ago. Yo, I will never in a million years we will never forget the, the how much you've done for us over the years, dude. I, we We'll make it happen, man. Love you, man. We'll talk soon, all right? You too, Glenn. Be safe, buddy. Thanks, bud. Dan Wilcox. Oh, I get I get the warm fuzzies every time we talk to Dan Wilcox. Every single time we talk to him, I feel the same way. I just love that guy so much, man. That, that One of the best humans we ever came across. Um, grateful for him. Um, you know, he's still bullish about who the Ravens are. You know, and I, I get his point, right? Like, hey, if you if you just kick the field goal against the Dolphins, go up by three scores. You know, if you just I, – I understand what he's saying. I I remember talking about we, – we brought this up with Ed Hoddle when we had him on a Friday. Like, at some point, the results kind of define you a little bit. Like, you're, you might not be all that different as a team. Like, I don't know how much different – we were talking about this. Ed Hoddle's the football coach at Stevenson. A year ago, they started the season 0-5. I mean, it was just – it was brutal. Some bad luck in there. They are playing teams that hadn't tried to do a, a spring semester where they had tried to play in the spring, um, and it just got off to a bad start. And I don't know that he feels all that differently about his team right now than he did a year ago, but the results start to change things. Like, you just – stockpile some results um we were talking to steve Souter about it last week too weren't we like that at some point just winning does something to you that makes you feel a certain way if the ravens just won those games 
they'd be 4-0, and and we'd have to talk about them as being one of the best teams in football. Like, they'd probably be the best team in football with wins over the Bills and Dolphins. I don't know what the flip side impact is of that impact. Flip side impact of that is. It's got to be your bull. Um, I don't know how that works. I don't know if the results, even as well as you played in stretches, or even if you deserve to win certain games, but a coach or a coaching decision let you down, which I do think is is too simplistic. But I don't know if there's a reverse impact of that. Does that make you feel like you are... Um, does that, does that have a lingering impact into next week? Brandon Noble talked about that. Like, does this cause them to be flat? By the way, I don't know why. Unfortunately, our live casino video didn't get up last week, which really sucks because we were awesome. <laughs> what, we, were your, what were your picks? I was I, the Raiders. I, I ran back the uh, Ravens per first quarter. Ah. Nailed that. Yeah, you did. And, I mean, nailed it. Yeah. And Maryland. Hmm. Were my wow, yeah, so. I nailed it. We had the best week maybe they, we've ever maybe had. Maybe they knew, they knew, yeah. and they were yeah. like, "We cannot put this right. out. We, <laughs> we're going to lose a bunch of money in the Fanduel Sportsbook." I'm, I'm quite angry about it. I don't know. What the, we'll get to the bottom of it at some point, but I, I need to try to find the video so I can share it out so people understand. I'm not making this up. Griffin and I nailed our picks last week on the the live casino video that we normally that we've done every week for like the last year and. For some reason, this one just didn't get posted. I don't know what the story is behind that. We'll try to get to the bottom of it. Um, but I don't even know why how I got there. How did I get there? Oh, the first quarter thing. Um, because Brandon Noble's talking about a hangover. I've bet the Ravens in the first quarter the last two weeks, and it's done really well for me. But do I maybe think about not doing that next week? Oh, yeah. Like because or did they come out with so much more fire? Right. Like I guess it's it's. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have that answer. Um, I think it's a it's slightly too simplistic to say, hey, they'd be four and zero if not for coaching decisions. Because again, they're still they still didn't run the ball against Miami, and the defense was dreadful, <laughs> dreadful. Now I get it that works hand in hand with not running the ball, and the argument that if they just go up three scores, well, as you know, Rita pointed out a couple times, like, did did you guys see what Miami did? <laughs> like they scored three touchdowns. Being up by seven, by um, at that point it would have been seventeen, right? Yeah. It was a fourteen-point game. They would have gone up by seventeen. They scored three more touchdowns. Being up by by seventeen wasn't going to help you. Even if or being up, you left because didn't they add was, another field goal ultimately? Was, they well, did. They did add one more field goal. Yeah, it was they added. No, I'm talking about the Miami game. Oh, the Miami game. Like her point was, yeah. like. I think after they tied it, three, they kicked the field three goal. more points. Three more points would have made. Yes, correct. Mm. Three more points would have made it a seventeen-point game. The Ravens ultimately added three more later in the game. Right. Mm -hmm. Rita's point is, they scored twenty-one. Yeah. <laughs> if you score twenty and they score twenty-one, who wins? Oh. <laughs> but I still get it. I still, you know, I I still understand the argument for kicking the field goal in that situation. Um, all of this to say. This is why I'm confused about trying to define who the Ravens are. It, and I got to that in my column today at PressBoxOnline.com. They are some combination of all of these things. They're deservedly, to me, two and two. Because they are a combination of defensive issues. 
on the postgame show yesterday, Rita was mad that everybody was getting off the defense. She's like, they held the Bills, who scored 30 points a game, to 23 points. If you thought that you could beat the Bills without scoring at least 23 points, you haven't been paying attention. Why are we beating up the defense over this? Why are we pretending like yesterday was on the defense? And she makes a great point. She always does, but like that one's a particularly good point. If you went into yesterday and you said, we're going to hold the Bills to 23 points, that should have been enough. You should have understood that one side of the ball did their job. You've got to get the job done on the other side. That's fair. It's fair. They didn't score at all in the second half. They are a totality of all of these things. They are an imperfect team. Dan Wilcox says he still thinks they're a top five team. I think there's an argument that they're a top 10 team that could be a top five team. And part of that is just the insane parody in the NFL, right? Like, who's really good? I mean, I, I get it. The Eagles are good because they're the 4 0 team, right? Like, we're confident they're good. If the Dolphins have Tua, and God, I mean, like, that's the terrifying thought is that they're definitely going to play him again this week, aren't they? Like, they're definitely going to just say, well, he cleared concussion protocol. What are we supposed to do? Force him to not play? Like, he's definitely going to play again. There's no way. I, dude, there's 10 days after they played. 10 days. I don't think. I don't think. Most dudes. Somebody, somebody's going to step in, right? That's, that's the, the only thing is the NFL just saying, dude, it'd be a really bad look. It'd be a really bad look. Please don't play him. But, like, the NFL can't get involved that way. I mean, they have a game. I know that the bye weeks bye weeks start this week, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they still play. I think they do. I'll double check on it too. I'm pretty sure that they have a game this week. I just don't. I don't remember. Yes, they play the Jets. Like the NFL is not supposed to get involved in that way and say and choose who plays and who doesn't play in certain games. Maybe bye weeks don't start this week. No, no, no bye weeks. Nope. Bye weeks don't start until the following week. I thought they started in week. They started in week five last year, and I thought that was early. So I'm glad that they started week four at one point too. I, you might be right about that. Uh, week six is the first bye weeks this season. Um, so they're making a team that went to London. I always thought it, if, if you went to London, you were supposed you to be on bye the following yeah. week. I always thought well, that I was I don't know why they don't work. start doing the Thursday night. Like, the, you, you get a bye it's and just, then you play it, Thursday. It just becomes impossible, right? Yeah. Like, it becomes and, – and also then it takes away from the bye. The teams wouldn't like that. The players wouldn't like that because then the teams would try to say, well, we need to get back – you know, on Thursday of the previous week to start putting in more time to get ready for a Thursday night game. You wouldn't get a full bye week, and the players would not be happy about that. Okay. Um, anyway, the, the moral of the story being, I, I think the Ravens are a good team or at least capable of being a good team, but I do think they're a totality of everything that we've seen so far. And that's frustrating because, you know, we want to rest our pillow when I had her on the pillow and feel comfortable about what the Raven, yay, the Ravens are good, or no, the Ravens, we just want to know. We always want answers that we can't have. It's boring. It, it, the bad sports radio for me to come on and be like, well, we got to wait. But that's the reality. The reality is we don't have any evidence that's strong enough in any way yet for me to make a loud statement. I think... The Ravens are closer to a good team than a bad team. But I get it. Good teams don't blow two massive leads at home. I think they're closer to a good team. But it's closer to a good team. I'm not confident 
that they're a good team. They've got to prove that in the coming weeks. By the way, no rest for the weary. They have a massive game coming up this Sunday night. That will be a huge opportunity, again, for them to try to make a statement about who they are. Hopefully, they get a couple pieces back in order to do that. All right, today's show is also brought to you by Guilford Hall Brewery. That's where we will be tomorrow night for the Tyus Bowser Show. Hope you will come join us, uh, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. Tyus and his special guest will be there. Guilford Hall, it's just such a gem, man. You, you can't even believe it. Like, you pull up, you're just like, wow, what is this place? This is here? How did I miss this? Open seven days a week now. They do yappy hours. They do trivia. Still, if you get there during the day, like on a Saturday, I, th- there is outdoor seating area as well. We're getting starting to get into that territory where it's getting tougher. I know this weekend was just miserable in general, but, you know, if it's not raining, it's still the pleasant fall feeling that you have when you sit outside. Like, ah, this is great. I'm not, I don't have any ball sweat going on right now. Like, this is wonderful. So you can take advantage of the outdoor seating they have available. They got indoor. They got multiple indoor spaces as well. You can hang out, watch the games there on Sundays. GuilfordHall.com is the website for you to find out more. Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. When we come back in, we will get a tidbit and tubular to wind things down for a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities, including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th. Learn more and buy tickets at maryland5star.us. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus, some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fendel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. The Maryland Lottery presents Ravens Greatest Plays. 2021, the game on the line. With three seconds left, the Ravens connect on an impossibly long 66-yard field goal to beat Detroit. The longest field goal in history. 
Another great Ravens play belongs to Touchdown Joe from Silver Spring. Joe scratched a Raven scratch-off and won a top prize of $100,000. You could be next. Play Raven scratch-offs to win instant cash or enter to win great second-chance prizes. Please play responsibly. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today join glenn at halftime of every ravens game for the project game day halftime show at facebook.com slash sports we apologize in advance there's not much we can do about his face adley rutschman has been voted most valuable oriole by the local media and that seems logical but did who did any of us have I did. I you did. Adley. So I you get that. Him. You him get that MBO. point. You get that point. I got to go back and figure out where we are with all yeah, of that. Yes. Because uh, didn't you get another point too? Yeah, because they had said I had the most wins. I had I said seventy eight wins. Okay. I think, and then you and Stan both had less. Oh, okay. yeah. we were. We I know were. we were very down on the horse. Jesus. Um, look, you know it, it's it's a weird vote for most valuable Oriole, right? I like uh, that Odor got some votes, some <laughs> top three votes. So funny. I, I don't know what to say. It, it's there wasn't an overwhelming candidate. I actually thought honestly that Anthony Santander so had kind of taken the lead as being the most consistent from one to one sixty two, and I don't vote most valuable Oriole. If I did, I would have voted Santander. Um, but I have no problem with Rutschman being the guy in the context of hey, when he arrived, so did winning. Like that to me is the easiest way to 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 justify Adley Rutschman being most valuable Oriole. Um, the moment he got here, all of a sudden something else came to winning. So in defining valuable, hard to argue with that. Like uh, Anthony Santander was here before that. They didn't win a whole lot. The moment Adley Rutschman got here, they started winning. Was Adley Rutschman overwhelming this season? No, he's two fifty four. 13 home runs, 42 RBI, obviously the 35 double stand out. And that on-base percentage is significant at 361. He was a heck of a player this season. And if this is just the beginning, like if it gets better from here, holy crap. Like Katie bar the door. It's, it's going to be amazing. If this is who he is for the rest of his career, He's still a hell of a player and probably going to be one of the best catchers in baseball every year. But, you know, uh, Matt Wieters was that guy. I don't want I hate, I hate doing that. I hate saying that. I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. Um, what's Anthony Santander's war this season? Do you know off the top of your head? Not off the top of my head. I can the, find out quickly. On, I'll, I'll tell you in two seconds. Using okay. baseball reference war, Adley Rutschman is a 5.2 war player and Anthony Santander is a 2.1 war player. So, All right. You know, yeah. there there yeah. you go. There you go. Adley Rutschman named Most Valuable Oriole. Today's show also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, the best place to watch and bet on every game. You know how much I love it in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, 
and the atmosphere is like second to none. When you watch big games, especially like this week, it's Sunday night for the Ravens. Imagine if that's where, if you're not going to the game, that's where you are. It's going to be electric. Because not only do you have fans of the team, but then you have people that are fans of something that they bet on. And so they are living and dying on every play. It's such a cool place to hang out and watch the games. The bet pads are available. You want to reserve your spot to hang out in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Email events at sportssocialmd.com to be in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Try to, somebody, somebody said something to me that I wanted to respond to, and I... Mmm. Mmm. Uh, Northern Flock, Harbaugh lets his players speak their mind and doesn't condemn them for it. Peters has earned his respect and the privilege to get heated once in a while if he feels strongly about what benefits the team. He loves it here, and although he cannot do this stuff often, it's really no big deal. I mostly think I agree with that. Mostly. Again, I think what Brandon Noble told us is really significant because I had not seen the thing where Marcus Peters was running down the sideline. Like I'm sure now if I go back and look at it, I'm like, oh, right, there it is. Um... I had not seen that. Now, Dan Wilcox made the point that, like, yeah, it's it's a concern. Like, it's a concern if players are not on board with decisions that have been made by the coaches or they feel like they've been let down and they've lost games specifically of the coaches because of the coaches. And it goes back to what I said. John Harbaugh today, whatever he says in a press conference, I hope it's not just analytics. The more important thing is what does he say in talking to the guys? And if he's willing to say to them, like, you know what? We might have gotten that one wrong. Might have screwed up there. And you know what, Marcus? You might be right. And I, I'm sorry. And we're not going to do that again. We're going to listen to you. Like, if that's all that happens, I think I, I don't have any reason to think that... Like, I, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it was my buddy Franchise who called into the postgame yesterday and was using the word mutiny in describing it. Like, I we're getting out of control. Like, And he was, he was like, this is the legal definition of the word mutiny, and it fits. I'm like, all right, all right, Chief. We're, we're getting, we're losing our minds a little bit here. And I get it. Everybody hates losing. Nobody handles losses well. It sucks when your team loses. But we got to get things under control. Um, for the most part, that's the way that I feel. I don't feel like this is proof of a fractured locker room. I don't feel like this is proof of anything bigger than just an emotional situation in one game and Marcus Peters being an emotional player. And to Northern Flock's point, I think Marcus Peters has earned the right to be emotional. And for us to not come down on him... I think that John Harbaugh has an obligation to listen and to understand why someone, a veteran, would be that emotional in that situation. I think all of those things, I'm I'm more on Marcus Peters' side than I am on John Harbaugh's side because I agree with Marcus Peters' take on the situation. It's the wrong thing to do. As long as that's where it ends, as long as both parties can move forward and everybody's good, I don't worry too much about there being a lingering impact of this. Tidbit brought to you today by the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. Reserve yours right now, ginsugrills.com. Use the code TAILGATE when you do, and you will save $100. The all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill is the perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill for searing, grilling, baking, and smoking all kinds of food. And uh, I know we missed the one yesterday because of the weather, but back in action on Sunday. Are you back out there Sunday night? Are you? Uh, I mean, I are you can doing be? Your, I'm not sure. Oh, I, I don't, it's not my department. Yeah, I was asking my, the question. Well, well it's John's department. Yeah, it's not, know, my, not my area. If, uh, I mean, we'll see, I guess. So you don't know. I don't know. I that, don't know. That would be the appropriate <laughs> way. I am not. This is not my area. Someone's going to be there, though, to be giving you sauce. Someone. 
will be at um, Hammerjacks, where mothers will be hosting their tailgate on Sunday night ahead of the game. Stop by. It's free to get in, but you get the all-inclusive option, $49 with premium brand open bar and great food. Tickets at Hammerjacks.com and the Press Box Ginsu Grill's tent, where you can see the Ginsu Grill in action. Try some delicious sausage and and register to win your own Ginsu Kamado Grill and $500 worth of grilling meats. We're going to pull a winner for that at the end of October. Tidbit. All right, so Adley Rushman became the third uh, Orioles rookie to receive the MVO, Most Valuable Oriole Honors, joining who? Greg Olson. Yeah, Greg Olson in 1989. 2002, this rookie. That's not who I was thinking it was. Mm. Who were you thinking? 2002. 2002. Uh, oh, it's, you know what? Nope, I saw it. It's Rodrigo Lopez. Yes, it no, is Rodrigo Lopez. Never mind. I'm sorry. I from saw Nathan it. Ruiz. Yeah. This is from Nathan yep, Ruiz. I did. Just, just wanted to throw that out there. And then also, this one is uh, for uh, career home runs on a Monday because Albert Pujols is chasing history once again today as he is the th- he's currently third on the uh, all-time list of home runs hit on a Monday. Ah, with big 78. Now, with what 78. He, this baseball, of course, would be worth. I don't know. Seventy eight dollar. Yeah. Well, he's gonna have to hit three home runs tonight e, in order to happen. get a share of the record and join these yeah. two guys who currently have the most home runs hit on a Monday. And then uh and then I wanted to go ahead and see if you could name the Not a chance. rest of the guys that have hit at least seventy. We'll go we'll say For God's sake, man. 70. Come on, really? Yeah, why not? Bonds. Barry Bonds tied for first with Mays. Not Willie Mays. Aaron. Willie Mays only sixty eight homers on a Monday. Bum. <laughs> Uh, Hank Aaron is high up there, but he does not have more than 70. Ruth. Yes, tied for first. Barry Bonds and Babe Ruth have 81 home runs. Sure. Hit on a Monday. Albert Pujols has 78, so he'll need three tonight. Maybe four if he wants to break the record. Break the record. This is the real record so that dumb. everyone's paying attention to today. So dumb. Three more guys have hit at least 70. might be trying to get guesses in. Okay. Second. Uh... No, no. his guess was Aaron, too. He said, Hank, the Monday Mauler Aaron. I don't, <laughs> I don't believe. That was, I think that was one of his nicknames. I don't he, think he that's hit, true. He uh, hit 58. He hit 58. That's the case. Uh, Tied with Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz about, has 58. How about Frank Robinson? <laughs> Frank Robinson is an excellent guess. Frank Thomas has 69. <laughs> that's not who I guessed. I guessed yeah, Frank I Robinson. <laughs> how about uh, Eddie Murray? Uh, not Eddie Murray. So it's I should have I guess I should have done Orioles Monday homers. Yeah, should maybe I that, that would have been. I could write my I don't know. We got I don't have all day. Um uh, uh god, I don't I don't uh, uh, uh Manny Ramirez. Not Manny Ramirez. Ken Griffey. There you go. Ken Griffey hit 74, I believe. Eddie Murray hit 42. He's the second most of an Oriole. Uh, G- uh Proctor says Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez also has hit 70 figure out how many I clicked out of it. 72. How many more do I need to get? There's one more guy who was a he was Jim Thome. Jim Thome is a good guess, but he did not hit 70. Sammy Sosa. Not Sammy Sosa. Also another strong guess. This guy was a Phillies uh, infielder. A Phillies infielder. Mike Schmidt. Mike Schmidt hit 71 home runs on a Monday. That Mike rounds up the top Schmidt. six. And then Cal Ripken ah! hit the most. I believe it's Carl Ripken. Please get that okay. correct if you don't mind. Carl, Carl Ripken. Ripken. Yes. All right. Very good. Tubular brought most. to you by the uh, Maryland Five Star. Come see Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars. Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. 
Uh, Rams and 49ers wrap up uh, NFL Week 4 tonight. I need uh, George Kittle to, uh, unfortunately, get like dysentery or something right before the game. I think I need... I need- who was the dude well, that the, I need, who, I need. who took the who took the the cart back to the bathroom yesterday? Uh, DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf. I need I need there to be no cart available for George Kittle. I need for him to have to do the waddle, the whole Lamar. By the way, Lamar Jackson is still holding on to the cramps thing. Did you see that? Did you see? Well, we got to wait for him to retire, like Paul Pierce did, and then he'll finally say, "Yeah, yeah I right. just had yeah, the, yeah." Admittedly, you know. I had I had doo doo, but yeah. So I, I need. Oh jeez, I don't. Even, all right, I have no shot tonight. <laughs> he legitimately hopped on Twitter last night because Will Blackman retweeted D- DK Metcalf said that clinch walk wouldn't have made it. We've all been there. <laughs> We've all started doing that math in our head. Are we going to get there or not? What's what is about to happen? Uh, Will Blackman retweeted it and said we just need Lamar Jackson to admit his run to the restroom last season. It was actually two years ago. To which Lamar followed up by saying, "Still, still." said cramps if i had to poop emoji i would have did just that what what do you mean you would have did just that that's what we think you did or oh is he saying if it was poop he thinks he would have taken the cart back i'm trying to read into the suite now is he suggesting that if he had to poop you know what by the way this is going to come up on the tyus bowser show tomorrow night (laughs) You got to poop in a game. Or are you taking the cart back? Allegedly, well, the Ravens. Allegedly, the Lions situation is like the farthest walk in the entire uh, NFL. That it's the furthest distance you'd have to traverse to get back to the bathroom in the NFL. So that allegedly is uh, the okay, reasoning okay. for why DK Metcalf hopped on the cart yesterday. Don't well, know. I mean, still might as well just do it every time. We'll we'll get to the bottom of that. We will. Uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to pose that question to Tyus Bowser. You've got to you've got to in a football game are you taking the cart are you i guess it wouldn't work because the ravens you had to take the stairs yeah so that's what like so you couldn't take a cart i mean let, we'll sit let's I guess, by the way is there anything worse than is there anything worse than having to take the stairs when you need to poop <laughs> oh god you gotta waddle down the stairs oh what a nightmare well at least you're no one can really see you're you. definitely holding the railing as you do it i guarantee you you are if you are when in that moment you got to poo, you're doing the you're doing the clinch walk, you are holding on to the rail as you're going down the stairs. Oh, what a nightmare that is. Well, like you can make throughout the situation that they're in Detroit or I Cleveland wonder, or, or someone with a longer at walk. At what point do they set up a cuz like at this point you go into you can go into the tent and pee on the sideline now, right? Like they've kind of Sure. At what know. point do they just put a porta potty on the sideline? <laughs> at what point do they just figure out a way to put a damn porta potty over there so that guy then, then everybody knows that they're going to they're going to have a camera on the porta potty the whole time. So you'd be like, "Oh, well, someone they just went they in." They would they would do it discreetly. Like they would they would put a tent over the porta potty. Okay. Like they would do something then, so then then the people in the front row won't be able to see over the tent. Well, they? they wouldn't they, they wouldn't be able to make it a full-size porta potty. They'd okay. have to come up with a custom porta potty. Like a little tunnel you crawl something or just a little like the way that they do the concussion tent right. like they come up with something pops up that yeah is the right size and you know everybody knows but you know we don't see it like that I feel like guys would deal. probably still rather just go back to the probably room. probably right i got a lot of questions very important the hell am i oh yeah rams 49ers it's on ESPN. i need like 90 points from george kittle so um, <laughs> boy we are in, uh, yeah we- why don't you just accept the fact that it can't happen well, we agree to root for me 
Eh, like one of us can be happy. <laughs> like why don't we agree to root for that scenario? Yeah, I need him to get the dysentery tonight and be unavailable for uh, the game against the Rams. That's at eight fifteen. Uh, no ABC any longer. I guess that was just a two yeah, week thing because uh, it's the new time slot premiere for Bachelor in Paradise. Ah, well you can't miss that. You can't miss that. ESPN and I guess uh, ESPN two means there's a Manning's broadcast. Is, yeah. I guess that's the case. Uh, Masson 2, Blue Jays, Orioles at 7 o'clock. Jose Barrios and Dean Kramer, the pitching matchup. Masson's got Nationals Mets at 7. Aaron Judge continues his pursuit of history. Tonight at 7 against the Rangers on NMLB Network. They also have Rockies Dodgers at 10. USA Network, Leicester and Nottingham Forest at 3 o'clock. Preseason hoops and hockey on NBA TV and NHL Network. And the USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw tonight at 8. Some non-sports highlights. Just Bachelor in Paradise. Justin Thomas is going to be on Jimmy Fallon. for Justin Thomas. For some reason, the golfer. The golfer? Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> what? New episode of Kevin Can F Himself. I do like that show. And then uh, the rest is uh, on there. I did see, so while we're, while we're talking about Aaron Judge, that I don't he, he's not going to hit 63 because the only guys that have ever hit 63 have the same initial for their first and last name. Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire. AJ. Wow. AJ. He's not wow. going to do it. So he might hit wow. 62, but he's yeah, not, not going to touch 63. 63. At some point, the Yankees pay off one of the Rangers pitchers to groove one to him, right? Or somebody does. Like, if, if, whether it's the Yankees or not, like a sponsor. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to be tinfoil hat, but, like, come on. The Rangers don't have anything to play for, correct? No. So no. at somebody this week, like – a, a a partner, somebody who would stand to benefit from selling Aaron Rudge, Aaron Judge gear, approaches uh, the Rangers. I don't know who's pitching for the Rangers tonight. I don't know who was pitching for the Yankees yesterday. Who the f is Chichi Gonzalez? Where he came from? I, I thought it was Chichi Rodriguez, and he was a golfer. I thought that was. I don't know. I'm very confused. Did he come from by Colorado. Things. Sure, we'll go with that. Okay. But whoever's pitching for the Rangers tonight, they just they say ahead of the game, like, dude, come on, ten thousand bucks. Oh, Mar- Martin Perez. They go to Martin Perez. They say ten thousand bucks. Group him one. Let's He's see, having a good season. Let's get this over with. It's one home run. Who cares? Like, let's just get this over with already. Oh, they got a double header on Tuesday. The Yankees and Rangers do so. Couple opportunities. No, he's and then they have like they're going they're going all in. They're batting him lead off. Yeah. Like they're doing everything they can. Like it's such a joke, but whatever. That's fine. How dare the How dare the Orioles not just leave one in the middle of the plate? It's so embarrassing. God, it was so embarrassing. Everybody losing their minds this weekend. Good to see Jim Palmer and. Ben McDonald coming after him, everybody. Because it's it's idiocy. It's pure idiocy. Like what? What in the world? It's the responsibility of the Orioles to groove one. Like that's the responsibility. Also interesting that the pursuit of the record is kind of costing him um, the batting title and the triple crown because he is feels he down in RBIs now. Or? No, he's down in batting average because oh. he feels the need to swing, mm. right? Because he's striking out more. And that's brought his batting average down, and he's no longer holding. He's no longer in a triple crown. Oh, position. Louisa Rise has batting three fifteen <laughs> of the Twins. I don't. I mean, it's funny. Like that is that, funny. It's it's just yeah. Very, judges all the way all very, the way down to three eleven. Judges. It's very interesting that like this year where he was going to win the triple crown and break the record. Now the pursuit of the record is going to cost him the triple crown, which like record. You know what I mean? It's not even a real record. <laughs> Like, winning the Triple Crown is so much more significant than being the guy that hit the most home runs in Yankees history. Like, God, the American League. Come on, man. What are we doing? 
All right, uh, that's that. Thanks today to Brandon Noble. Thanks also to Dan Wilcox. We'll get it up in the greatest hits section of the tab at glennclarkradio.com. Anything tomorrow? Uh, stuff and things. Stuff and things. Big stuff and things day. Of course, we'll uh, set line or we'll talk about waiver wire Wednesday with our yes. buddy Joe Serpico, and uh, we'll do simply the bets and stuff and things. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including the Maryland Lottery, the Baltimore County Police Department, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Casas Inn, uh, Guilford Hall Brewery, Great Eights Memorabilia, the Maryland Five Star, FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, Maryland Vascular Specialist, the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. It's still go birds. Why not? Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.